It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. The Strange News in Brief. I'm Guy Ticker. Scared Hunter films Bigfoot taking a walk in the forest. A piece of footage circulating online shows what appears to be a fairly clear glimpse of a Bigfoot walking through a birch forest. I'm Guy Ticker. The Strange News is brought to you by Night Dreams Talk Radio Network. Do you have a strange story? Contact us at nightdreamstalkradio.com. Amex Blue Business Cash Card can be rewarding. You'll earn 2% cash back as a statement credit on your first $50,000 in purchases per year at 1% after that. So you get rewarded for getting what you need for your business. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business cash. Amex Blue Business Cash. Built for business by American Express. Baz Luhrmann's revolutionary film comes to life in Moulin Rouge the musical. Winner of 10 Tony Awards, including Best Musical. The New York Times calls it dazzling, euphoric. In Moulin Rouge, life is beautiful. Experience the spectacular in Seattle from December 14th to January 1st at the Paramount Theater. Get tickets at stgpresents.org.
The UFO Festival blasts off July 1st through 3rd in Roswell, New Mexico. This year is the 75th anniversary of the Roswell incident. Was it a UFO or a weather balloon? Whatever you believe, our festival has out-of-this-world activities for all ages and a headliner concert featuring Midland. Explore our galaxy of events at UFOfestival.com. UFOfestival.com. Deep in the desert wilderness of Arizona, there lies a fabled treasure trove of gold. One that was said to be enough to make 20 men millionaires all the way back in 1891. Many have searched for it, but all have failed. After years of research, author Matt Polston debunks many myths surrounding the mine, including the location. Your next adventure awaits in the Lost Dutchman Mine location. Rewriting history, but are you brave enough to take the first step? Available on PolstonHouse.com, Amazon, and Barnes and Noble. Get your copy today. The Lost Dutchman Mine Location. www.PolstonHouse.com. The Mount Blanco Fossil Museum. What a place. It has over 100 fossil trackways, mammoth skeletons, mastodon with living bacteria, 12-toed horse, giant donkey, crocodiles 40 feet long, salamander 12 feet long, wagon trains in limestone, the world's largest bison, blue fossils, black, white, red, purple, brown, yellow, gray, and clear, dinosaur soft tissue, Bigfoot, Mothman, Dogman, Chupacabra, elongated Peruvian skulls, UFOs, giant men, all here at the Mount Blanco Fossil Museum. 124 West Main Street, Crosbyton, Texas, 79322. Open 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Online at www.mountblanco.com. Call 806-675-7777 or email us at mountblanco1 at AOL. You are listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio Network, the home of Night Dreams Talk Radio, with Gary Anderson, syndicated worldwide, paranormal talk radio, like you remember. And boy, it's already July 1st. It's a few days away from 4th of July. And I'm going to be on my vacation for almost two weeks. I'm going to actually do a lot of work around the compound. Oh, clean up the horse pasture and all that stuff. Yeah, I was going to go on a trip. But then I looked at the property and I figured, you know, I'm going to spend time, well, working around the compound. Well, in the news, James, did you see that, uh, well, video I put up? on our show page about that bear? Oh, I most certainly did. I got to tell you, the first thing I thought about, here's another story with the bears. But that poor guy, you know, he didn't realize when he left the restroom, he, he was trailing something. Yeah, almost like Sherman toilet paper behind him, huh? I've never <laughs> yeah. seen a bear with toilet paper hanging out of you know where. I haven't either. I, it's funny. It reminded me that there is a commercial about this, and I thought, wow, this guy is walking right from the set right onto the street. It was funny. I know. I rather enjoyed that. I had to share that. Well, in the news, a woman, well, about three years ago, 
murdered her husband. He, she cut his head off, put it in a barrel, and filled the barrel with cement. Her young kids wanted to know, well, where's daddy? I don't know where daddy is, but don't go into the barn. There's a buried treasure there. Well, the authorities actually really got suspicious, and while she was in court, they decided to go check out that barn after three years, and they found the head in that barrel of cement. And when they went back to her, went where and she was done with her thing, she committed suicide. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that is that is a bizarre story. I, you, you'd think the kids would have been thought something was up anyway, but that that's wow. That guy there, I'll tell you what. Oh my my! Wow. Yeah, but what what happened to the rest of the body? Yeah, yeah. She put exactly. the head in a barrel of cement, but where's the body? I got a feeling that's going to turn up somewhere too, but who knows? She probably, uh, boy, I hate to say it, probably got a wood chipper out there on that farm. Or maybe she had a lot of barbecues. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that might, yeah. I hate to say it too, but, but you're right, though. These barbecues, I've seen that scenario. Well, a new study finds that people, older people, that is, that have nightmares, that's an early indicator of Parkinson's disease. Well, if that's the case, I think a lot of old people is going to get it because I hear a lot of old people have nightmares. I've been having I, nightmares I, since the the early two thousands. I've been actually having nightmares for forty five years when I got married. I was going to say you you've been having them since that day you came home with the you know they was playing that game, board game, but uh, yeah, that's a long time. Well, the stock market had the biggest worst sell off and collapsed today since nineteen seventy. Holy cow, you're talking 52 years, Gary. That's, that is a record. Listen, that's a record you don't want to break. I, I, that's, that's alarming. And you know, the Federal Reserve said, oh, we're not going to go into a recession. If we do, it's going to be in 2023. Well, their own tracker that is used by the Federal Reserve says we're in a recession now, right this second. Yeah, and matter of fact, you've been talking about this for months, and and coming up with the the hyper uh, thing going on. It, it's yeah, and can't. I hope we get out of it soon, and not by a bad. We're not. Way gonna, we're, there's no way. And what they're going to do? The feds are going to raise the points up here in the next week or two. You know the interest rate, and you yeah. know a lot of economists from the major banks said, "Hey, if they do that, it's going to cause a lot of job losses in this country." It's going to really, you know, if you think we are going through inflation now, it will put us through hyperinflation. It'll put us in more than a recession. And then they said by by the early 2023s, they're going to be back down to zero uh, percent again to try to save the economy, what's left of it. It is getting scary out of here. Do you hear that China, the government of China bought a big farm in the country here? That's in the news. I, you know what? I missed that one. Boy, I'm curious now what they're up to with that farm. Lord knows. There's a lot of things they can do with a farm here on this turf. So um, only future will tell, I guess. Well, the new currency is going to be the Chinese yen. The way it's looking, oh. they're, they're between Russia and China. They're getting a whole bunch of company, uh, countries together 
to create their own basic uh, money, you know, secondary to the, the U.S. dollar. Yeah, that's another thing. Of the, these these countries and uh, want to have one dollar and one basic unit of money. It's that's the t- sign of the times to come, Gary um, Grimm. Oh yeah, and don't forget, everybody. Tonight, starting around eight o'clock, we're going to take a few call-ins. Everybody calls in is going to get some well merchandise from the festival of Roswell, the UFO festival. And boy, I wish I could have been there this year. I wish I could have been there last year. And I tell you what, a lot of people still are in denial that these craft exist. And I I just really look at we're not the only people walking around in the campgrounds. We'll be right back with our guests, Kevin D. Randall, and hopefully Don will be here because we're waiting for him. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. The paranormal and things that go bump in the night. Ghost stories, mythological gods and monsters, even UFOs. How do we square them with sacred scripture? Journey into the unknown with author and journalist Richard D. Lewis and his new book, The Paranormal Christian, Book Two. In this riveting guide, you'll discover a mystical exploration of paranormal phenomena through the lens of the Bible, the gateway between life and death and the afterlife. Stories of departed loved ones communicating from the other side. Real encounters with angels, ghosts, and other extraterrestrial beings. The true story of UFOs and the divine secret to end an alien abduction. If you believe in the Bible, you already have faith in the unseen, the supernatural. The Paranormal Christian Book 2 by Richard D. Lewis. Order your copy today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or richarddlewisauthor.com. Hi, this is Val Von Torn of Metatron Power and Light. You're listening to Gary Anderson and Night Dreams Talk Radio. Thank you, Val, so much. Boy, I had the microphone off. I just keep looking at one of the monitors here waiting for Don to call in. Well, anyway, we have Kevin D. Randall. How are you doing? Uh, are you getting excited about the 4th of July at all? You mean me? Yeah, you. No. Okay, at least you're honest about it. Well, it, it, when you're when you reach my age, and you are not required to go to work on a daily basis, the Fourth of July is the Fourth of July, and then as a combat veteran, I'm not a fan of fireworks. <laughs> I'm not either. You know, back twenty five, thirty years ago, <clears throat> I had an a what do they call the? Oh, what did they? Uh, God, I'm trying to think about it. They shoot it up in the air. But it was a military one, uh, flare. Yes. Yeah, and because uh, I had some connections yet in the military at that point, and I figured I was going to fire a couple of those off because we had a house, you know, next to a dairy farm at that time, nobody around, and I had it all propped up to go off, and I started running away from it after getting everything set up. The thing kind of fell over and shot me in the back. <laughs> and I had a leather jacket, a real nice, expensive leather jacket. It put a hole through that jacket. It, it set my jacket on fire. My shirt had a big burn on it. I had a huge bruise. And I'll tell you what, my kids after that said, hey, what are you going to buy for fireworks? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. 
Well, that really wasn't a firework. That was a military flare. Yeah, it was. But I tell you, it sure went off with a big bang. You know, <laughs> and the year before that, I should have known better because we at that point we were living in a a uh, townhouse and I got some skyrockets. And the, somehow it, it instead of going up, it went underneath the car in the through the window of uh, one of the neighbors and set their couch on fire. Happy Fourth of July! <laughs> and how much did it cost you to replace their couch? Uh, the window was more expensive because it was like on a Sunday or something like that, and you know I had to get a guy out on Sunday because they demanded I fix it today, right then and there. So I mean, it was a really. Expensive. Whether you're buying benches, bread makers, or bottles of bubble bath, paying for business expenses with an Amex Blue Business Cash Card can be rewarding. You'll earn 2% cash back as a statement credit on your first $50,000 in purchases per year and 1% after that. So you get rewarded for getting what you need for your business. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business cash. Amex Blue Business Cash. Built for business by American Express. (laughs) I don't remember about the couch, but, you know, the window was the one that was more expensive than the couch. (laughs) At least it didn't burn down the place. It could have done that, too. Yeah, yeah, then you'd have been on the hook for a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Well, which I got to ask you a question. Roswell, you know, I still get people on my show, you go, ah, it never happened. There is absolutely no question that something fell at Roswell. The debate's over what it was. Now, Don and I, when we began our investigation in, good Lord, 1989, um, we looked at possible explanations. We looked at everything. We were at White Sands Missile Range. I have a complete list of all the missile shots in that period, so I can tell you what happened to every one of them. We looked for experimental aircraft that may have uh, crashed. We looked at military aircraft. We looked at a, them accidentally dropping an atomic bomb, not necessarily a, a live actual bomb, but a but a mock-up, because in 1947, the atomic bomb size and Shape was classified material. We looked at all of these kinds of things, and the Air Force, when they did their investigation in the 1990s, did the same thing and eliminated everything. So they backed us up and said, yeah, these guys were right on that, or that's what I infer. The only thing they they could come up with was Project Mogul, and we can eliminate that. So now we're lost with no terrestrial explanation whatsoever. So when people say, no, it never happened, say, "What, what are you talking about? Of course it happened. We can prove something happened. We don't know what it was. The very definition of an unidentified flying object. Well, if you, you know, a lot of people, you know, watch what was going on, you know, with the news clips and all that stuff with the Congress on disclosure. So many people, so many people said, oh, boy, you know, we're finally going to get disclosure proof that these craft exist. And one after uh, another just kept saying, we have no proof. Roswell never happened. There was never any wreckage. And they went on and on and on about all these sightings that never happened. Well, I looked at, I watched the whole entire congressional meeting when they interviewed the um, two representatives from the Department of Defense and, and the Navy. And it didn't seem that anybody knew anything about UFOs. And one guy, and I forget which congressman it was, mentioned the sightings in Belt, Montana, Malstrom Air Force Base. 
where an outside force shut down a whole flight of missiles, uh, 10 missiles, <laughs> which supposedly is impossible to have done. But the whole flight went offline at the same time, and there was never any explanation for that. And there were a whole bunch of sightings going on at the same time in the Belt, Montana area. So, you know, you can draw your own conclusion with that. And I was stunned when the two DOD represents, oh, I never heard of that. And then one of them kind of backtracked on that and said, well, yeah, I'm aware of that, but we didn't, we didn't look into it. Well, what kind of investigation are you conducting here then? I mean, we have a long, rich history of UFO sightings, and you can eliminate 90% of them, 95% of them easily. But there are cases like Belt, Montana, uh, Maelstrom Air Force Base, that you cannot eliminate easily. And the same thing for Level Land, Texas, which I think of as the number two greatest sighting of UFOs. And here we have an object that uh, was in the area for two and a half, three hours. When it came close to cars, the engine stalled, the lights went out, and, and Hynek said that he knows of no um, reason that that would happen. Um, multiple witnesses at multiple locations making independent reports of that sort of thing going on. I did a whole book about this thing and, and looked at it in depth. And the Air Force explains it as ball lightning, except ball lightning is a very short-lived phenomenon. It's basically... 18 inches in diameter, two feet in diameter. It's not very big. And yet the, the witnesses are describing something that is much, much larger and persists much, much longer. And there is no physical way for ball lightning to stall a car engine. And yet you had all these people doing it. And that's the Air Force explanation, ball lightning. So we can look at those sorts of things and say, well, you know, this is a preposterous explanation. And the real point is, if you're going to study the UFO phenomenon, there is no reason to separate the history of it from what you're doing today, because that history may provide you with some clues about what is going on. And it seems to me that the whole point of this latest exercise, which I think is Twining 2.0, and Twining was a um, lieutenant general, the, the commanding officer of the Air Material Command in 1947, when all of this began. And he wrote a letter in September of that year saying that, you know, this is something real. It's not illusionary. It's not fictitious. And we need to study it. Move forward to 2020, and what we're hearing is, well, this is something real and not illusionary and fictitious, and we've got to do something about studying it. We've had 75 years to study it. You guys are doing the same thing that happened in 1947, but you're not doing it as well. And so I don't have much uh, um, hope for disclosure at this point based on that hearing and based on the um, required report that they gave in, in June of, of 2021 about uh, what had happened with the Navy. Well, we have 144 reports. You know, how many cases is that? Is it, you know, is, is it one case for each report or are there multiple reports for each case? You know, how many does that involve? How many witnesses does that involve? And they said, well, we can't explain, we, we can only explain one of them. But they didn't really tell us anything about what was going on. They said, well, in 90 days, we'll, we'll have an, another report. 90 days passed and there was no other report. Now we're setting up an office to investigate UFOs. Didn't we do that in 1947? Well, you know, you know again, you know, I've had people, you know, say, oh, you know, this disclosure, I, Congress is, you're going to open up. And I said, don't you realize that the Congress and the Senate have had ongoing committees about this for years and years? And we have never been told anything, let alone the truth. Well, that's absolutely right. They, they, Aren't interested in the truth? I think a lot of a lot of the committees and a lot of things you see in Congress is political posturing. You know, which way is the wind blowing? We're going to follow that lead so that we can get reelected. 
but you don't have a, a, a solid basis for the investigations. You look at brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved, Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Project Blue Book, well, in the beginning, 1947, it was a legitimate investigation, but it quickly devolved into, we don't care because the commanding general of the Air Force doesn't care. Then we had all the sightings in 1952, and Ed Ruppel tried to revitalize the investigation, but after the Robertson panel met in uh, 1953, right after those sightings in, around the Washington National and in the United States, um, the fire went out of the investigation, and they began bringing in officers who were rapidly anti-UFO. They weren't interested in investigating. They were interested in explaining or ignoring what was going on. And that was right up until the end of uh, in 1969 with the Condon Committee. So we haven't had a good, solid investigation that persisted for years, and we're in the same boat we are to, today that we were then, that they're is no real fire for this sort of thing. And uh, you can easily kind of um, derail the investigation. Like, well, you don't believe in those UFOs and little green men, do you? Well, let's look at the evidence. Let's see what's out there. Let's try to understand what's going on. Granted, there may be some natural phenomena. There may be something going on that we do not understand in the world today, but that would be of scientific value to learn, even if it isn't alien visitation. But you look at the Roswell case, and I think that's one of the better examples. Level Land's a good example. But the Roswell case, everybody agrees something fell. There is no terrestrial explanation for what fell. Does that take us directly to the extraterrestrial? Well, for some people it does, and for some people it doesn't. We need a different, another step to get to the extraterrestrial. But we don't have a terrestrial explanation right now. The Roswell case is the very definition of an unidentified case. We don't know what, what fell there. And we are prohibited from getting that information. Um, FOIA requests languish in the FOIA hell for um, literally years on end, and periodically something drops out of the sky. I, I was talking to John Greenwald the other day about a FOIA request that suddenly fell out of the sky on him, and he'd forgotten about it because it had been three years since he'd filed it. Uh, I think the FOIA regulations require a response within 10 working days. 
And the response is always, we'll get back to you when we get to it. Or you know, we're, we're looking into it for you. Well, there's your response in 10 days, and now they've met their obligation, and they can forget about it. So we just we just uh, aren't aren't making any any progress because we have to fight all these other battles, not only with the media that uh, doesn't want to be caught looking stupid by believing in UFOs, um, and who have forgotten how to do investigative journalism in the world today. If you take a look at what's going on, um, yeah, we, yeah, tell me about it. I just did. Yeah, I just saying what we hear, what's going on, how much of that is true. You know, about UFOs all... or everything else, you know, I mean, we can we can look at the way the media treats the stories and uh, you can see the way the, the government investigates things they're supposed to be investigating. And you can see the partisan politics involved in that. And it's uh, um, even worse for UFOs because we've got the ridicule factor to deal with. You know, you don't, you don't believe in those little green men, do you? And, of course, as Mac Brazel allegedly said, well, they weren't green. But um, you know, we just uh, we aren't getting anywhere. We're doing the same thing today we did 10 years ago. Uh, um, we're doing the same thing today that we did 20 years ago. We've gone as far as we can go with the Roswell case. Witnesses we talked to, Don and I talked to, and Tom Kerry talked to, and Stan Friedman talked to, and even Bill Moore talked to. Witnesses that, that, that provided some good, solid information, they're, they're dead. They're gone. We can't talk to them anymore. Fortunately, one of the things that Don and I was doing, I think, I think Stan did it uh, to an extent as well, we recorded an awful lot of this on both videotape and audio tape, so you can hear their words. Uh, and, and oftentimes see them talking about it, but you can't interview them anymore. And one of the interesting things is when the Air Force was investigating the um, Roswell case in 1995, I would get a call from James McAndrews. He was working with uh, Colonel Richard Weaver. And I, I offered him, I said, you know, I've got tapes of, of Edwin Easley, who is the Provost Marshal in Roswell in 1947, what he told me. They weren't interested in that. And we talked about General Exxon, who was the base commander in uh, at Wright-Patterson in the 1960s, who told us some of the things that had been going on there. Now, the base commander, you have to understand, is more like the mayor of a city. He is not the uh, top commander on the base. He operates as the mayor. In fact, in the Army, they now call it the mayor's cell. But he's responsible for the logistics in the base. He's responsible for the maintenance. He's responsible for all these things. And, and General Exxon would tell us about things that were going on back then. But the Air Force didn't want to talk to him. And I think part of the reason was they didn't want to uh, call a or, or, or seem to call a brigadier general, a retired brigadier general, a liar because it makes the Air Force look bad. So they just ignored what he had said. And they did the, the same thing with an awful lot of the other high-ranking officers. He ignored what they had to say and instead followed the mogul explanation, which simply does not work. And that's the whole point. And, you know, when you get into this whole thing, too, the, the, I'm not going to mention the person's name because I really respect what he's doing. But there's people out there for the last 15 years, disclosure. Disclosure is going to be like in three months. Just think how many three months go into 15 years. I had thought when the Navy videos were released, leaked, whatever, that we'd taken some steps toward disclosure. But here we are, what, three, four years down the road, and nothing more has happened. All we have is some legislation passed to set up an office to investigate UAPs, whatever the hell they are. Um, 
We have tried to separate that from the history of the UFO phenomenon, and I don't understand that because he who ignores history uh, ends up repeating it. And, and so, it, yeah, I, that, and that's frustrating, too. You know, when you really think about this, you know, again, we have this, and they've been so uh protective in how they address it they've never once implied that any of these uaps which to me i don't like that term i still they did that because they wanted to get away from the term ufos and a lot of people don't realize that they they message me and say well was is a uap it's a ufo unidentified flying object and but they're very careful not to say they're maybe from off world you know, it, 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 we're not getting the truth. We can look at the, again, we can look at the history and we can see where they've lied about cases. They've created explanations where they didn't fit. Uh, they've ignored good cases. I'm, I'm stunned. The Leveland case, and like I said, I just, I did a book on this where I looked at the whole entire event that took place uh, in in 1957, November of 1957. The investigation lasted for seven hours. They sent a mid-level NCO, and nothing against NCOs, but a mid-level NCO in civilian clothing to level land. He was there for seven hours. He talked to, I think, six witnesses. I can give you the names of literally dozens of witnesses that had he interviewed them in 1957 would have given him a whole different story. Came to a conclusion that is completely bogus and wrote it off, and that was the end of it. You know, level land was uh, ball lightning. Doesn't matter that science still argues today whether ball lightning actually exists. So we're explaining an uh, unusual phenomena with another unusual phenomena, uh, and, and, the, and the facts didn't didn't fit. But the point simply is, they spent seven hours investigating. There are documents uh, that I found doing the research where the Air Force is saying, we don't want to issue a statement until NICAP issues a statement because it's much easier to respond to it, <laughs> a statement, than it is to create our own uh, statement about what was going on. So they wanted to see what NICAP had to say. And NICAP allowed the Air Force to degenerate the conversation into an argument over the... Whether you're buying benches, bread makers, or bottles of bubble bath, paying for business expenses with an Amex Blue Business Cash Card can be rewarding. You'll earn 2% cash back as a statement credit on your first $50,000 in purchases per year at 1% after that. So you get rewarded for getting what you need for your business. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business cash. Amex Blue Business Cash. Built for business by American Express. Curiosity surrounds you at Pacific Science Center's Boeing IMAX Theater with state-of-the-art digital projection and sound. Watch your favorite blockbusters on Washington's largest screen. That's 4,800 square feet of the world's largest heroes and villains coming at you in 2D and 3D. And you're supporting science education in the process. Check out our upcoming schedules and get your tickets before they're gone at PACSci.org. That's P-A-C-S-C-I.org. The number of witnesses, because the Air Force said, well, there are only three witnesses that saw the object. And Kehoe, the head of NICAP, the director of NICAP, said, no, there were nine. And going through the documentation just from NICAP and the Air Force, I found witnesses at 13 separate locations, multiple witnesses at some of those locations. So there's many more than either the three or nine, but that was where the argument 
went. How many witnesses were there? Why don't you talk about what the witnesses saw? Was there physical evidence? There is, and, and this is outlined in, in, the, in the book uh, Level Land, um, the sheriff, and his name was Ware Clem, and I uh, hate that name. I wish it was something like Jack Armstrong, but Sheriff Will Clem, he, he, after receiving any number of reports to the sheriff's office and the police department on November 2nd, decided he should go out and look for it, see what he could find. He was followed by cars from, I, guess I think still, or was then the Texas Department of Public Safety. That's what it is today. It was when I lived in Texas, it was the Texas Department of Public Safety, which is, in essence, the state police. And I found evidence there was a third car in this little mini convoy with Air Force officers in it. Clem. Um, okay, Kevin, we need to take this break. We'll be back in about 60 seconds uh, with Kevin. Uh, Randall, we're talking about UFOs, Roswell, everything else here tonight. Stay tuned, because at 8 p.m., we're going to take a couple call-ins, and everybody calls in is going to get some nice uh, gifts from the uh, festival at Roswell. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Come along on a unique journey of adventure and discovery. Read on the Trail of Bigfoot, a first-hand account from paranormal researcher and skilled outdoorsman Mike Dupler on his many years of investigations into the Bigfoot phenomena and his personal encounters with these enigmatic creatures of the forest complete with photographs. Don't delay. Order your copy today. This book will inspire those who have answered... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. ...the call to seek this elusive creature, the Bigfoot. The truth is out there. On the Trail of Bigfoot by Mike Dupler. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and IndieBound.org. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Night Dreams brings on the night worldwide. Did you know you can find us on your favorite app? And now you can watch us live on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and give us a thumbs up. And now, here's Gary. And here I am. You know, I, like, again, I'm, I'm just frustrated over this whole thing because, you know, I, 
people want to hear about what's going on. And, you know, I can bring in guest after guest after guest, but it's not accomplishing anything. We need Congress. We need the Senate. We need the military to come up and tell us the truth. And that's not going to happen. Well, I uh, wanted to make one comment when we had to go to the break here about the third car in the Leveland Comet. Mm-hmm. Co- and I, I know I'm diverting the conversation. Oh, that's here. fine. That's fine. And it's, and it's not polite to take the take the host show away from him. But the third car was filled with Air Force officers. The sheriff, the next day, the sheriff said that he saw the object, saw the, the streak of light. The Air Force changed his testimony so it was a streak of light in the distance. But there's all kinds of documentation. The sheriff saw a oval-shaped, a football-shaped object. The next day, he took his car to the um, sheriff's department mechanic to have it looked at. The only reason he would have done that is if his car stalled. And if his car stalled, that means the car behind him stalled and the car behind them stalled. And that means the Air Force officer's car stalled. And we have no other information than uh, a couple of reports that the Air Force was involved in this mini convoy on November 2nd. So that's kind of my point. The Air Force has this information and they've ignored it all along. And when we move into the day's arena, we when we looked at the, the congressional hearing that was just held, I think it was 87 minutes long, I timed it. Um, it was clear that the investigating committee, with one exception, knew nothing about UFOs and were um, posturing. And the two representatives from the DOD, or the representative from the DOD and the representative from the Navy, knew nothing about UFOs and didn't care to learn anything about UFOs. And uh, everybody was very careful to call them UAPs, which, as you say, is a ridiculous term. Uh, they showed what two videos, one of them, the thing sort of flashes by and he's they're playing with the video, trying to stop it on the precise flame where you frame where you can see the object. And I'm thinking, gee, you're coming to a congressional hearing. Did it ever think to you to maybe bring a still photograph with you as well <laughs> rather than this video? Um, yeah, it was just it was stage managed from the very beginning. And it's clear that they had no intention of doing anything of importance. But yet I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of people, Kevin, it think that they got major, major disclosure. And I, and, and I hear it from these people, Gary, they, they, they said all this stuff. And I go, no, you're interpreting in your brain what you wanted to hear. They didn't say anything. That's correct. They said nothing. They just talked about um, what, what we can do and where we're going to go and how to set up the office and the one question that uh, dealt with anything ufological was the Maelstrom Air Force Base sighting where the um, ten, the flight of 10 missiles was shut down by an outside force, which theoretically was impossible. You couldn't do that. Um, and the two representatives uh, from, from the government, the DOD and the, the Navy, said, well, we don't, we don't know that case. We haven't heard about it. And then one of them said, well, I'm kind of familiar with it. I've heard a rumor. I'm thinking this is an important case. It, 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 affects national security because of what happened there, and yet you don't have enough interest to follow up on that. And so um, there was nothing that came out of that other than we're we're doing what the public expects us to do. We're looking into this. We're setting up an office. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. They did all of that 75 years ago. Yeah, and they're setting an office up with virtually no budget, too. 
with with the military, you know, you can you can say, well, uh, Colonel so and so, I want you to take a look at this, and the Colonel says yes, and so the budget is kind of there. Uh, one of the things I you know I talk about was how do you move um, debris or bodies from Roswell to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Wright Field at the time, without disclosing that you're moving debris and bodies to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And the answer is, you set it up as a training flight, a navigational flight, which a, a, a bombing unit would do. It said, well, we have a navigational problem. You need to fly from this point to this point to this point. And if you happen to be carrying a lot of other stuff, rather than bombs to practice with or something like that, well, then um, you've moved it there, and it's covered nicely by this exercise, this navigational problem. Uh, Patrick Saunders, who was the base adjutant at the time, and I've got the the letter uh, from his from his daughter, where his where she, her father Saunders told her that uh, they were able to cover their trail trail very well, moving this stuff around, burying it under the auspices of various uh, funds and, and uh, operations of the base. And, and I did a I just did a book, Understanding Roswell, kind of for the, the 75th anniversary. It wasn't my idea. Somebody came to me and said, would you do this? And I said, sure, I'll do that. Sounds like fun. Um, and, and outlined some of those things, how you move the material around without really accounting for the, the funds have to be accounted for. You have to explain where the money went. And as I said, you can disguise it as training operations or other uh, things that need to be done in the operation of your unit. And, and by piggybacking on that, then the funds look like they've been legitimately spent when what you're really doing is moving uh, this material from point A to point B. And, and you know, it, 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 it makes sense how they, they, they do whatever they can do to cover it up. You know, I was watching an interview with Bill Clinton here that he just did back a couple months ago. And he was talking about, you know, he sent one of his representatives from the White House to try to get information, even about Roswell. And they were stonewall. They couldn't get anything. And here's the president of the United States at the time, couldn't get any information. I, um, I had always said, and if I'm the president of the United States and I want information, I go to my director of central intelligence and I say, director, Mr. Director, I'd like to know what you know about UFOs. And if he says to me, well, I'm sorry, Mr. President, you're not clear to know that stuff. I can't give it to you. My next response is you're fired. Bring in your deputy and go down the chain of command until I find the guy that will tell me what I want to know. This I truly believed. I did a book called uh, UFOs in the Deep State, and I was talking to a fellow named Daniel Sheehan. And he was telling me because he was um, working with Jimmy Carter. Um, Jimmy Carter, just before he was inaugurated as president, was talking to his director of central intelligence, George H.W. Bush. And um, Bush said to him, well, Mr. President, Mr. President-elect, um, I'd like to stay on as the director of central intelligence. And Carter says, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm bringing in my own guy. And then Carter asked him about UFOs. And Bush said, well, I'm sorry, Mr. President, can't tell you about that. You're not clear to know yet. Yeah. So here but but in that, that respect, it was this, the president-elect telling that. And so you would think, well, when, when he brings in his own guy, then he can learn that stuff. But maybe his own guy doesn't even get read into it based on the bureaucracy that's in place when he gets there. The other thing they can do is they say the, the president goes to the director of central intelligence or the director of um, 
intelligence or the DIA or whomever, the FBI. And he says, I want to know all you know about UFOs. And the answer is, that's a very complex question. And the information is located in various locations. Give me some time and I'll pull together a report for you and get you read into this stuff. And somehow that never gets done. So when Bill Clinton sends his guy to somebody and say, I want to know about UFOs, the answer is going to be, you know, with the Roswell stuff, you know, he's not going to be told anything. He doesn't have um, the clearances or he doesn't have the need to know. And he says, well, we're working for the president. Well, he's working for the president, but he's not the president. He may be there at the authority of the president, but he's not the president. We need to see the president talking about that. When the, If the president shows up, then the answer is we need to pull that stuff together and somehow it's not going to be done. And as I said, in UFOs in the deep state, it showed how this bureaucracy, this government, the shadow government, of, of bureaucrats, lifelong bureaucrats who go from administration to administration to administration, and they climb up the, I would say corporate ladder, but the governmental ladder, ladder to these very important positions uh, that that do not change from administration to administration. So the new president comes in and he appoints his people to the top level positions, the secretary of state, the um, uh, secretary of defense, the secretary of treasury, appoints his people to all that sort of high level stuff. But there are still some very high level bureaucrats working directly under them who have their hands, their fingers on the pulse of this whole thing. And they can divert that information so that it never gets to the president. And they know that within eight years, Sometimes only four years, but they know within eight years the question's going to go away and something's going to happen that's going to keep the president busy so he forgets about the UFOs. Look what Jimmy Carter, um, he ended up with the uh, Iranian hostage crisis, which uh, diverted his attention. I don't think Joe Biden has any interest in UFOs and he's got enough problems dealing with everything going on. Um, I don't think that... Um, that, that uh, Donald Trump was interested in UFOs either, so it wasn't really a, an issue with him, and he ended up having to deal with the COVID um, pandemic. Uh, so you look back to some of the other presidents, uh, George W. Bush and Bill Clinton, who had an, may have had an interest in this, but things came up and diverted their attention, and that's how they keep it going. The people who know what's going on persist from administration to administration, but the very top people, the guys brought in to, to run the things for a Democratic administration or a Republic administration, they're replaced um, when, when the new regime, the new administration comes in, and they are able to keep the secrets that way. So I don't think the president really can get to that information. There's no way that he can get to it. Unless he can convince them that he's not going to tell. And that's the other thing. I was I think I asked Dan Sheehan this, that uh, Carter was very interested in this, and once he became president, he just never seemed to push. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. 
Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. The way you would have expected. And was he read into something that was so extraordinary that he realized it was best not to talk about it? Or did they just avoid the question until Ron Reagan, Ronald Reagan came in? And then, um, and Reagan had an interest in UFOs as well. I, I think he was time. involved in two UFO sightings and a possible abduction from, from some of the things they've talked about. And I, and I looked at that, and of course, in UFOs in the deep state as well. But he was very interested in UFOs and what was going on. And yet, um, I think that, that, that he never got the answers that he wanted either. And of course, then we had the assassination attempt on him and kind of diverted attention. So you can look at all of that sort of thing and realize how they kind of stage manage all this to keep us from from knowing anything. And then there's people like me and I say, well, you're talking about it. Aren't you frightened? Well, no, not at all, because um, the the answer is always, oh, well, if he, if, if he knew anything, he'd... Uh, he'd whether you're buying benches, bread makers, or bottles of bubble bath, paying for business expenses with an Amex Blue Business Cash Card can be rewarding. You'll earn 2% cash back as a statement credit on your first $50,000 in purchases per year at 1% after that. So you get rewarded for getting what you need for your business. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business cash. Amex Blue Business Cash. Built for business by American Express. When 4x4 isn't enough, you need 4xe. Check out the incredible lineup of electrified vehicles only from Jeep, like the Jeep Wrangler 4xe, the number one selling hybrid in America, or the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe, the most advanced Jeep Grand Cherokee yet. Customers may qualify for a $7,500 tax credit until December 31st. Visit Jeep.com today. Instead of offered by a third party, amount of tax credit might vary for each individual taxpayer. Federal tax credit subject to change without notice. Consult the tax professional for details and eligibility requirements. Not all buyers will qualify. Jeep and the Jeep Grill are registered trademarks of FCA US LLC. He'd be in jail or he'd uh, have a mysterious death, um, something like that, to keep him silent. But you can't do anything about that. Uh, some of the people, the whistleblowers, for example, come forward and they say, well, we have this extraordinary UFO information. So, well, if it was true, they would they would prosecute him for leaking classified information. Yeah, what I, you do to prosecute I, them says they found something real. And if they just sort of ignore the whole thing then it's uh, the, the, the conclusion becomes, well, there's nothing to it. There's one particular individual. I'm not going to mention his name, but, you know, he's the big one. And, you know, every time I hear him talk, I just want to go to the bathroom and, and throw up. Because, you know, you, here you have people, right, to give out disinformation. And then you have the people out there trying to give out the information. I think there's people out there. It's constantly stirring the pot up to keep it confused. And that's what their yeah. job is. I've always thought that um, I won't mention I, Lou. I, I won't mention Lou. I believe I believe the MJ twelve is a hoax. 
I think it was a hoax started by people in the UFO community. I think it was started in an attempt to, A, propel themselves into the spotlight, and B, to uh, shake the tree and hope somebody would think the documents were real and that mean they could talk about uh, what was going on secretly. Um, but I also said, you know, if I was if I was the guy running the disinformation program, I'd take credit for it. I'd say, yeah, that's mine. Look how I've diverted attention. And he didn't have to do anything. It just looks good. Um, I don't think MJ-12 is disinformation. I think it's misinformation. I think uh, a poorly executed plan as a way of convincing some people to talk about it. Those of us who have held high-level security clearances, and I had a a top-secret clearance for almost my entire military career, know that it doesn't matter what is talked about outside the uh, walls of secrecy, you're not allowed to discuss it with people who are not cleared to know it. Even if they know everything about it, you still cannot talk about it because what you're doing is confirming it's legitimate information. I was uh, stationed at Richard Gebauer Air Force Base in the um, mid-1970s, and I got a call from a reporter for Kansas City Star. I think it was Kansas City Star. And he was asking me some questions about this crisis going on somewhere in the world. I frankly don't remember what it was. And I knew all about it because I just read I just read the classified reports on it. So I knew all about it. And he's asking me questions, and I'm saying, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I, I, I just don't understand it. And he, got, he was getting angry at me and told me I wasn't a very good intelligence officer. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm quite brilliant because I'm not giving you anything here, pal. <laughs> but had I said, yeah, because he knew about it, and I said, yeah, that's right, you're, you're, you're on the right path. Well, I've just, I've just become that, that uh, inside source confirming the information for the guy. And, and, but he had, uh, even though he knew the information, I was obligated not to tell him anything about it because he hadn't got it. He was not cleared to hear it. So you've got a lot of that to deal with as well. That kind of thing going on where um, you have to guard the information from people not cleared to hear it, even if they're well aware of everything that's going on. You just can't say anything because because you you, um, are verifying the information. Pappy Henderson, who was one of the pilots that flew material from Roswell to Wright Field, Wright Patterson Air Force Base. And he said he was in the, uh, actually, I was talking to his wife, Sappho Henderson. Pappy Henderson had died uh, four or five years earlier. And I was talking to his wife, Sappho Henderson, and she was talking, well, he had been in the new, in the um, supermarket with me, and he bought this newspaper. And I don't re- I remember which one it was. Uh, one of the, the tabloids, you know, that you used to find, well, you can still find them at the checkout stand. And, and it had a story about the Roswell crash in it. And he's, he gave her the paper and said, read this story and told her, well, it's all true. And I've been wanting to tell you for years about it. And I guess that they've now published it in the newspaper. I can tell you about it. And the answer is no, you can't talk to her about it because um, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, the newspaper had the story, but you still couldn't do it because you're confirming the story for her um, by your inside knowledge, the knowledge you learn through the classified sources. Yeah, but so there's, there's all that kind of stuff going on. But there's people stepping forward and, and is divulging stuff. Look at Lou Alizondo. But you, what has it really told us that we didn't already know? You know, I, I mean, that's the other thing. We just there's really nothing that they're telling us that we don't know. Uh, he said, "Well, he, the the Navy the Navy videos. This is a good example." I said, "Well, the Navy has these cockpit videos proving that UFOs exist." No. 
What the Navy said, what everybody has said is these videos were taken by Navy personnel. Doesn't mean the image on those videos is an alien spacecraft. And there are examples of people creating similar type images by using uh, one guy hooked a cell phone up to a night night vision goggles 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 and uh, recorded a pyramid shaped object like was in one of the videos and it was an artifact created by the marrying of these two technological devices and so the navy saying yeah these are real videos taken by the navy but they're not saying yes these are real videos taken by the navy of alien spacecraft yeah, and and but they do enough. What they do, it, it confuse people, and by doing that, is this keeps stirring the pot. You know, again, I'm not going to mention. Well, I'm going to Steve Bassett. I love the guy. He's been on my show numerous times through the years, but I'm frustrated because every time I have him on, three months, Gary, and we're going to have major disclosure. Well. You know, I'm 70 years old. I mean, how many more three months do I have to keep waiting for that that bombshell to hit? Well, well, I actually knew you were talking about Steve Bassett. I'd figured that out myself. Well, other people did, and I figured, because I, I'm frustrated. Like I said, I love the guy. But, I mean, you know, he, he wants disclosure really bad. But, yes. you, you know, you just can't take a time frame. That's like if I say, hey, guess what? Kevin... And two months from now, it's going to be major disclosure. I hear this stuff all the time. And I say, and I say, Gary, two months from now, it's going to be September. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, um, I was, uh, I, I, I do a radio show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, cleverly called A Different Perspective. And I've had Steve Bassett on my program a number of times. And we were going to do a big show. There was uh, some MK12 documents that had just been released a couple of years ago, five or six years ago now, I guess. And it was all the hot information. And I looked at them and realized they're faked. And Steve Bassett was looking at them and his initial conclusion, well, here's here's something really important. Here's something going on. So I'm going to have, um, have him on the program and we're going to debate the legitimacy of these MK12 documents. So... We're we're all set up. We're ready to go. And and uh, about the first thing out of his mouth was, you know, these things are faked. And I'm going, well, now what do we do for two hours? <laughs> the debate is now gone. So I mean, you know, Steve does do some of his homework. He does get um, uh, things right, but he gets caught up in his own enthusiasms. And and and, and we all do that. I know that you know Don and I were Don Schmidt and I were uh, excited about a fellow named. Um, Frank Kaufman, who allegedly was on the inside of the Roswell investigation at the very beginning and was feeding us all this information. We were enthusiastic about his his story, and we subsequently learned that he was making it all up. He had not been a master sergeant, as he told us, because we, we eventually he'd given us his, his military records and it showed this and that he'd taken these these schools or hinted at schools, intelligence schools that he would go into. Um, and nobody bothered to get his records from, from St. Louis. And once we did that, and I should say once Mark Rodiger did that, we discovered that he had been a, a staff sergeant, not a master sergeant, and all his schooling had been in the administration, administration field. I can't even say administration tonight. You mean typewriters? 
he was a clerk. He was a clerk typist. Yeah. Uh, well, a staff sergeant would be a little bit higher than a clerk typist. He would be an administrative NCO. But the point simply was he didn't have any intelligence background. He didn't have any high level clearances. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, but we were enthusiastic about what he was telling us until we learned, learned the truth. So, I mean, everybody gets caught up in their enthusiasms and everybody thinks they've got some good information. And sometimes it turns out to be completely bogus. Then we are obligated to expose that source or expose that information for what it is rather than try to defend it uh, because it would make us look bad. I think it makes it look bad to continue on to defend it. So we have to do all of that sort of thing. And there's so much of this kind of garbage going on in the UFO field from people who see this as a way to make money um, studying UFOs or telling telling these fantastic stories because they end up on TV and they end up getting invited to conferences and that sort of thing. And you look at the stories and they're just absolutely preposterous. I mean, one guy claims that he was, as a teenager, he was abducted, um, spent 20 years in some kind of military organization fighting the aliens on Mars, for crying out loud. And once his term of service was over, his 20 years was up, he was returned to his bed 15 minutes after he left it. I think this is absolutely preposterous, but people are buying it. We were accused, and I say we, um, somebody did an interview or a story about how those of us who deployed to Iraq really didn't go to Iraq. We went to Mars. No, I've heard that, yes. We were fighting on Mars, and I thought, you know, what's amazing is Walmart apparently had a big warehouse on Mars because we could order stuff from 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 Walmart, uh, and it would take maybe a week to get to us. And you're thinking, they got to have something here. So Walmart's involved in this. And, I mean, how many men and women served in Iraq? I've got, what, 2,500 pictures of, of Iraq and Baghdad and, and Decrit and Babylon. I've been to Babylon. I Always wanted to go to Babylon, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, because that's part of the UFO mythology—the the Babylon batteries, you know, the uh, clay charts, uh, clay jars, clay charts, clay jars with uh, um, like citrus acid in it and copper and zinc in it, and it would create a electrical circuit. Nobody knows what they used it for, but that's what they did. They created electrical circuits. They thought it might be have something to do with. Um, um, Plating, plating gold or gilding, gilding metals with gold, something like that. But I mean, so Babylon f- figured in some of the ancient astronaut mythology. So I, when I had my chance, I went to Bab- I went to Babylon, which was kind of cool. But I mean, we look at that stuff and we don't ask the legit, the logical questions. I was doing a lecture in a high school once, long, long time ago, and um, the. Uh, one kid was talking about the pyramids being created by the aliens, and I, I asked, well, how come they've traveled interstellar distances, and the only thing they can find to build with is stone? You know, where's, where's their metallurgy? And uh, and he said, well, you know, they've, they've had they had 20, 20 million pieces of rope. They found 20 million pieces of rope. I said, well, how long is a piece of rope? And what does that mean? They found all this rope in the desert. Uh, you know, I just... You know, they just don't ask the questions that need to be asked about this stuff, and they just accept it all as being authentic. Well, you know, again, what you mentioned, you know, people are out here trying to make money in this. Uh, there is a lady that contacted me. This is about a year ago, and there's a author out there who writes books about UFOs. Like, it seems like every month there's a new one out. And she thought she was abducted. 
And I knew she wasn't abducted, but she went and contacted this author. He said, okay, go get an x-ray. So she went and got an x-ray where she thought, you know, in her chest, where she thought the implant was. And she sent it to him. He had his doctor look at it. And this is what she said. They couldn't find anything. But he said, well, I want you to come on to my podcast. I want to put it in my book as being real. And she asked me, do you think I should do this? Because I thought I was abducted. Now I'm fine. He's telling me I wasn't abducted. And I'm going, well, if it was me, it tells me he's not a very credible author, is he? Well, yeah, you know, that's a little bit different than than. Um, interviewing somebody you believe is telling you the truth and you put that information in a book and you find out later that that he was lying to you. Brad Steiger told me about Al Balick, who's the guy that supposedly was involved in the Philadelphia experiment, the time travel <laughs> thing. And apparently Brad and, and Al had become friends. And, and Brad was saying that, um, you know, he'd been to his house a number of times. I mean, Balick had stayed with Brad at his house a number of times and that sort of thing. He was very disappointed, found out that Balick was lying to him. And yet he had used his information in, in a number of books and that sort of thing. And But Brad, Brad was always quick to... Um, reveal that information. I met Brad Steiger. I was doing a book many, many years ago, and there was a story of this kid disappearing in some bizarrely named town in Wales, and I'm not even going to try to say it because it was a Welch name, and you know how that works. And uh, I knew the secret for finding Brad Steiger, which was his birth name was Eugene Olson, and he was he hadn't officially changed his name to Brad Steiger at that point. And I knew he was teaching English at, uh, I think it's Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. So I called directory assistance in Decorah, and I said, I'd like to talk to Gina. You can give me the number for Eugene Olson. And I got a hold of him, and it was Brad Steiger, of course. And we chatted for a while, and I mentioned that story. He said, don't, don't use it. Don't use it. I found out later it's not true. Well, and that's that was a, always, And that was always the way he was. Well, you know, I, we need to go on break. This one's about three minutes long. But I will say that I, my friend Art had this one individual that we were talking about, you know, all this stuff that was going on, uh, giving, you know, the Philadelphia, you know, all this stuff. And it, it, I, all I can say, it was good entertainment. Really, you know, it was better than watching TV. But anyway, we'll be back with Kevin Randall after this, and we're going to take a couple call-ins. So stay tuned. You're listening. This episode is sponsored by Me Undies. Me Undies has you and your butt covered this holiday season with the most perfect gifts imaginable. From undies and bralettes to loungewear and sleepwear, Me Undies has what you need for everyone on your list. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out their holiday gift guide for ideas that are more snug than a hug. To get 20% off plus free shipping on your first order, visit MeUndies.com span. That's MeUndies.com S-P-A-N. Credit unions across the Puget Sound region are proud to support Bender's One Big Give for Seattle Children's Hospital. Medical expenses are one of the leading causes of financial distress. So our Credit Union for Kids program is designed to help give kids the care they need while also easing the financial burden on their families. As not-for-profit, member-owned credit unions, we are dedicated to improving the financial well-being of our members and communities to Night Dreams Talk Radio.
Festival blasts off July 1st through 3rd in Roswell, New Mexico. This year is the 75th anniversary of the Roswell incident. Was it a UFO or a weather balloon? Whatever you believe, our festival has out-of-this-world activities for all ages and a headliner concert featuring Midland. Explore our galaxy of events at UFOFestival.com. UFOFestival.com. Want to talk to Gary and his guest? South of the Rockies, call 1-253-203-6681. That's 1-253-203-6681. East of the Rockies, call 1-253-203-6777. That's 1-253-203-6777. You are listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio Network, the home of Night Dreams Talk Radio, with Gary Anderson, syndicated worldwide, paranormal talk radio, like you remember. And we are back with Kevin D. Randall, and we got a caller, if they're still there. Are you there, caller? Uh, I am certainly here. Okay, you have a question for our guest. Actually, it's a story. Okay, let's let's hear it. Okay, about 15 years ago, uh, I'd been watching a a movie, and I took my uh, movie finished. I took my dog outside. It was a nice, warm August night, probably between 1 and 2 in the morning. Went out the back open portion where I have a field on my property. And on the left side, I saw an object that was glowing. It was fluorescent green. It looked like a layer cake on top of a plate. And it went to the tree line, and it was just above the tree line, and it stopped. And it was the funniest thing because, you know, I had never, I had never really seen anything like that. Um, I was under the impression that it stopped because it was communicating with me on the silent level, and that's just conjecture on my part. But then what happened is it went after probably several seconds, it went and did what, what I would call a Z pattern and disappeared. Interesting. And, and how long a time was this all that took place? Oh, we're probably talking 30 seconds. So it happened really fast. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Kev- and uh, then when I, I shared this story with uh, with my friends, they each had an experience where uh, they were driving, and uh, they saw this object. It was hovering above them on the tree line. It, and they stopped at their car, and they listened, and there was this, it was like a ticking noise they could hear. And it was as though, you know, something or someone, something in that craft was attempting to to communicate with them on, on some level. But uh, later on, um, the female half went home, and that night, 
that same object was hovering over her her bedroom window, and she heard that same ticking noise. Interesting. Uh, Kevin, do you have any comment to that? I was, uh, I've just been looking at the uh, Hickson-Parker abduction in Pascagoula, Mississippi, and that, that was one of the things that I think Kevin Parker talked about is some kind of a clicking noise or some kind of that sort of thing as um, the craft approached them. So, you know, it, it, these sorts of things happen all the time, but most people don't talk about them to friends or family because they're, they're afraid of ridicule. You know, you saw a flying saucer, you must be slightly delusional. We're moving away from that, I think, in today's environment. But for the longest time, that was what was going on. In fact, uh, Calvin Parker told me that um, uh, he didn't want... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. I want to talk about the UFOs back in 1973 when the event took place simply because um, it was very stressful for him but he didn't want to get involved in that sort of thing. And it's only recently he's come out and began to talk more about his experiences in Pascagoula. But, you know, that's kind of uh, kind of not that unusual type of a, of a UFO sighting. Well, you know, I, I want to jump in here with Calvin Parker. He just recently came out and he said when he was abducted that they told him about a pandemic it was going to hit. They also told him about a nuclear war. And he's kind of like put those two pieces together here that kind of match. Well, the idea that, that somebody's predicted a pandemic, I read a number of books in the 1990s about the coming pandemic. And I always thought of, of something like the Black Death or Ebola, which was what they call a slate wiper, which would um, kill off 75, 80 percent of the population. When we ended up with a pandemic that wasn't quite that deadly, but it certainly did cause all sorts of uh, problems. So, you know, predicting a pandemic isn't that isn't that great. And I know that a lot of times uh, the abductees, the people who were uh, got any kind of message, talked about uh, some kind of coming um, atomic war. But that hasn't happened, although I look at what's going on in the world today, especially with Ukraine and the forces there. And you wonder, are the Soviets the Soviets? Are the Russians going to use 
certain tactical nuclear weapons to end the problem? Are they are they willing to escalate it to that point? And if they do, then what do we do? How do we respond to the use of atomic weapons? So, you know. That is a scary situation too. It is the way it's going on right now? You know that. Uh, I yeah, I'm not for Russia, and I want people to realize it. But if I was the leader of of Russia, the Federation of Russia, I would be really concerned. If, you know, or even here, if I was a president of our country, God uh, forbid, if all of a sudden some country wanted to put nuke missiles in Canada or on the border of Mexico and aim them, you know, towards us, I would be concerned. We had that that problem back in the 1960s. Right. The Soviets trying to put missiles and whatnot into, into Cuba which nearly pushed us to the brink of, of an atomic war, I think. I, I just I just think that the we look at the, the leadership in the world today, I think when you they're all competent enough to realize that nobody's gonna win an atomic war. It's just gonna be utter disaster for the entire planet. Uh, you know, it's there's not gonna be a safe haven. And I think they're all smart enough to avoid that sort of thing. But then you think about well, what if what if they try something else, uh, a, a, some kind of biological weapon, as opposed to a chemical weapon? And we, you know, I don't want to say the 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 COVID nineteen is a biological weapon, but we've seen the kind of devastation it can cause, and it's not that deadly. They don't mean to minimize it, but but it's not like it's it's killing 50 or 60 percent of the people who get it. Um, so you have to look at all of those things. We're moving to a point where we're just uh, I'm not sure that atomic war is what's going to be the destruction of the human race. I think it might be all our all our playing around with uh, um, uh, biological weapons and our manipulating of the gene pool and our manipulating of uh, crops and that sort of thing maybe may lead to our demise. If I want to be particularly pessimistic, I suppose. Well, you know, I think this like what's happened. And caller, are you still there? Yes, I am. The, what what happened here? <laughs> you know, I've been predicting, and and people ridiculed me honestly, Kevin, for the past year. I said we're playing craps. One of these days, we're going to get hit with a solar flare. It's going to put us back to medieval times. And people go, ah, oh, that's not going to happen. But, you know, <laughs> again, I, I, I've been in electronics all my life. I know what can happen. And and we were lucky yesterday. Actually, part of the magnetic field of the Earth that protects us actually had a break in it. And, you know, again, you're looking at a solar flare. It was about three times the size of the Earth was belched towards us. And we're playing craps. One of these days, we're going to get hit with one. And we're so much, you know, spending money uh, trying on a wall or wherever. Our money is going everywhere where it shouldn't be going. And we should be fixing the grid system. should be the number one thing. Because if we don't fix the grid system, we're in a lot of problems. And people don't realize it. We're not just going to lose our electricity. If you live anywhere near a reactor, well, you know, it's, it's, we got problems all the way around. I, I don't think I don't think the people understand how dependent we are on the electrical grid. 
there was a, a great sol, sol, solar flare. I can't even say solar flare now. Solar flare back in 1850s, I yeah. think it was, mm-hmm. that caused a little bit of trouble. But we were not electronically connected at that time. And it'll it'll take out uh, the computer systems. It'll take out your cable TV. It'll take out the satellites. It'll take out everything. Well, you know, again, too, satellites, because of the solar flare that's going on right now, you know, like SpaceX, they're losing a lot of satellites because what it's doing is causing the satellites to drop because of the magnetic field and all. It's a lot into it. But they're dropping down out of orbit and burning up. Now, some scientists... I'm happy to hear that because I get so many UFO reports with the Starlink satellites. The people see that and don't know what it is. And well, we got his UFO. This is this is cigar-shaped UFO crossing the sky, and it's a Starlink satellite. So maybe maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah, or when they send out a whole bunch of them at one time. Oh, look yes. at this! There's a we're being attacked by a swarm of UFOs. Caller, what's your take on this? And then I'm going to let you go. Uh well, my your your guest made a comment earlier about uh, politicians and disclosure and. All I can say about that is uh, you can tell that they're lying because their mouths are moving. Well, that's kind of like the old joke about lawyers. How can you tell when a lawyer's lying? Well, he's, his mouth is moving. So, yeah. <laughs> now, I can tell you when a lawyer's lying, when they say, hey, we can win this case, just give me another $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get We're paid first. Lies. We're here, the government lies. We're here to help you. Uh, Okay, caller, anything else you want to say before I let you go? I just want to say that I really do enjoy the program, and uh, I enjoy what your guest has to say. And uh, like I said, I I think that it's unfortunate that we haven't really gotten any truth about this, and and I don't think we're going to in the future, because if if you look at the research that people, that Van Danigan, that Big Lino, that... um, other people have done on this, and you and you really look into the proofs that we have out there of what and who created this and where they came from. They're not ever going to disclose that. There is no motivation to disclose anything because to do so would disrupt their power. And I think that's one of the one of the things that people don't understand about disclosure is there's no motivation to do it. The, right. the aliens the aliens can disclose whenever they want to. They apparently don't want to, and the, the power structure doesn't want it disclosed because it would um, it would break their their power. Absolutely. Thank you, caller. Well, thank you very much. Have a great night. Uh huh. Yeah. Again, you, you think about this. You know, have ETs actually contacted any governments and tried to you know communicate with them? And we we just wouldn't know because they would never tell us. That's that's the whole point here. I suspect they haven't attempted to com- communicate uh, because who would you communicate with? Which government would you pick? <laughs> um, which is the most which is the most benign government you can pick to communicate with? Um, and so I, I don't think that, I think if. if it's it's more of a reconnaissance. They're they're watching us, or maybe we're we're more of a uh, um, a graduate student project. Let's go to Earth and we'll gather some information, and I can I can work on my PhD about this aspect of human civilization as it as it 
um, grows or how as it develops, that sort of thing. I, the, the, then that's always the question, you know, what, what are they doing here? And, and of course, we're dealing with an alien race, and it's really difficult to determine what their motivations might be. So you, know, you have to take a look at all that. I, I, you know, I look, and I look at some of that in, in various books I've done about, about UFOs. You know, uh, UFOs in the Deep State talks about the motivations People say, well, how come, uh, why, why won't they tell us about it now? We're sophisticated enough not to panic about the idea of aliens visiting Earth. And the answer has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the deep state and it has to do with what, uh, how the power structure works. And, and we see it operating all the time in other arenas uh, of government. Um, no matter which side of the coin you're on, you take a look at some of the congressional investigations going on, and they're politically motivated, and their whole, the whole purpose of them is to retain the power. It's all about the power, and with the power comes the financial rewards and all the other rewards, so it's about retaining power. That's why we don't know what's going on. The people who know exactly what is going on have no motivation to tell us because they want to retain their power. Well, you know, again, if we had, on, I hate to say the word, honest con- co- Congress and honest government, this this meeting they had, you know, this this disclosure meeting, they would have maybe told some of the truth. But that just didn't happen. I mean, let's face it, like I said earlier in the show, Roswell never happened. Those uh, missiles, nuke missiles, you know, getting that never happened. I mean, they have never had any wreckage from any UFO. Bob Lazar's story about Area 51 never happened. That's not real. I mean, anything that we've investigated or talked about for all these years, it never happened. 19, you know, that was it before Roswell, that over Mount Rainier, the pilot that saw UFO never happened. The problem, the problem is not only that and the government lying to us, but it's the charlatans out there in the f- trying to make some money or get their 15 minutes of fame telling stories that are uh, untrue. Uh, and and that, that harms us as well. Um, there was a guy named Harley Bird a number of years ago who was running around. At first, he was the nephew of Admiral Bird. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Later on, he was, I guess, promoted to grandson of Admiral Burnham. Yeah. Um, by marriage. Well, I don't know how it ended up. I'm joking. Uh, yes, I understand that. Um, but Ross Estes had done a interview with him and and uh, he shows up at the interview he's wearing this medal around his neck and he said that he was given it to the by the president because of his service in korea and and russ got a chance to look at it later and it was a golf medal for example and he would tell us the, these just god-awful stupid stories uh, of his involvement with all kinds of things dealing with ufos he knew more about ufos than anybody in the world and that sort of thing and, and he would be invited to conferences to talk about his experiences with his, first his uncle and then his grandfather. And, uh, and people, people would buy that. But when he's exposed, when he gets exposed, um, then that makes us all look bad. And it doesn't matter that we were the voices saying, don't listen to this guy because his story isn't true. They say, well, these UFO people don't do their due diligence. They don't do their homework. They don't understand what's going on. And we get tarred with the brush. And 90% of the time when somebody's exposed, it's not the skeptics or the debunkers who expose them. It's we inside the UFO community who do it. And we don't do it out of malice. We do it because it's the right thing to do. And we need the right information to get out there. And I've done... I, uh, the, the the purpose of understanding Roswell, which uh, I did, just came out, the purpose of that was to eliminate a lot of the nonsense that surrounds the Roswell case. I did a, a book earlier called uh, Roswell in the 21st Century um, and looked at all of this stuff, tried to look at it in a dispassionate way and provide the best information available about what had happened. And to do that, you have to take down some of the better stories of of the Roswell case, some of the really fun stories about it, because they didn't happen. The fact that we picked up an alien spacecraft should be exciting enough, and yet we've got these other people coming in, adding to it, making it a, a, a more exciting story if you can do, do something like that. And when they're exposed, then that makes the entire case look bad. Well, Frank Kaufman was talking about this inside information he had and how they were cleaning this stuff up. Well, it turned out not to be true, so the whole case is false. So it just harms everything. You know, it's just not even Roswell. It's ufology. You know, I've been doing this going on 48 years. I had a guest on, I'll be honest, I'm not going to mention his name, but I had a, a guest on, and my producer knows who he is. We had him on a couple of times. He he didn't even know how to be a guest. He did not know. He was scared to talk behind a microphone. He was scared about being interviewed. I had to talk to him beforehand, calm him down. And he, he told his story. And, you know, it sounded kind of believable. And then, you know, listeners wanted him back on. So we brought him on. James, jump in here. Didn't we bring him on like about three times? Brought him on three times. As a matter of fact, I um, even interviewed him on one of my little shows. So, yeah. And the thing is, every time we brought him on, his story changed just a, a little bit. But, the, but by the last time I had him on, it's like, wow. Yeah, it, it totally is not what he was saying the first time. That put out alarm bells so then he wanted to come back on i said you know i'm never going to bring you back on so then he started doing a podcast 
And then he got picked up by one of these so-called networks that call themselves a radio station call letters, which are not. you got to earn that. And that's a sore subject with me because I've been in broadcasting commercial all my life and then find somebody, you know, creating call, fake call letters of a, well, anyway, he, he told him, well, you know, I went and I, I was a commercial broadcaster all these years, blah, blah, blah. And then he's interviewing people about UFOs, telling his story, which now has drastically changed. Then he wrote a book and I exposed him to some very important people like the publisher and uh, I tell you, those are the people that do damage what you try to do, Kevin, and Don, and me, and everybody else that takes the subject very seriously. There's always been that sort of thing going on in the UFO field, and they end up with a cult, a group of followers who just extremely loyal and will not listen to the evidence. They don't want to hear the evidence. And we, we end up in that, all kinds of areas of, of UFOs. Um, there was a woman who had seen a UFO in, in Utah um, and talked about seeing the, the alien creatures behind it and that sort of thing. And I think it was Frank Salisbury uh, went out with her the next day where this had taken place. And lo and behold, the UFO was there again. And he went over and he found a group of teenagers in the area uh, sending up those hot air balloons. And I don't know how many people remember that trick from the 1960s, 1970s, uh, the, um, using a uh, bright cleaner's plastic bag with uh, balsa wood and candles in it and create enough of lift and it could get up pretty high, sort of like a Chinese candle, I suppose, or a lantern. And... Uh, he said, well, were you here yesterday? He said, yeah, we were here yesterday doing the same thing. And so he had discovered what she'd seen. She had told him, well, that's what I saw. That's what I saw. And he went back and said, well, it's these kids launching these hot air balloons. And she said, no, no, it's not what I'd seen. And I did an investigation with a, with a, a very nice young lady here. Uh, and it started off that it was um, star-like UFOs in the distance. And uh, pretty soon, no, it was a domed disc. And then there were shadows of humanoid creatures inside the dome disc over a period of, you know, four four or five weeks. I, I, and on my blog, um, I, I've got the whole story about uh, it's the Mount Vernon UFO sightings, about how this story evolved. She wasn't lying about it. She wasn't. Um, uh, she was. She was telling me what she truly believed happened. But when I got down to the bottom line, it was something that she'd confabulated in her mind about what she'd seen because she'd been so frightened by the uh, by the event. I, I determined what she and her boyfriend were seeing at the time. It wasn't UFOs or anything like that. It was the landing lights of airplane at the uh, local municipal airport because I'd went out there and watched and I saw the same thing and realized it was the the um, landing lights. But the point the point simply is that you could not convince her that that's what she had seen. She had created in her mind this story of the UFO and eventually the, the alien creatures flying it. And that's what she truly believed happened. And there was no convincing her otherwise. And and that's dangerous as well. We've got an explanation, and yet the, the witness won't accept the explanation because um, – for all sorts of reasons. I'm not going to put any motivation on her. She wasn't trying to gain any attention or any fame or any money like that. Or she wasn't going to write a book. It was just this is what she believed she had seen. It was um, an important part of 
that time in her life, I suppose. Yeah, but you know, when you get in that, like, I'm going to be honest with you, and then we've got to take another break for the last half an hour of the show. There was a guy, this is going back probably almost two years ago, I got him on the, the show because he was putting up on YouTube and other places around Las Vegas. He claimed he was going out almost every weekend with his video camera and capturing UFOs around the mountain, you know, the hillsides of Las Vegas. And he, he would say, look, there's a helicopter, right? Not a helicopter. There's a UFO right there and there. And people were buying it like you wouldn't believe. So I listened to him after, you know, uh, listening to him on YouTube. I got him on the show. He didn't realize I also have a background in photography and I have software. So I started analyzing these so-called UFOs and boy, they had lights on it, which are required like by the FAA for aircraft. And you could make that out when you zoomed into it and started looking at the pixels. I went one step farther and my regular listeners know this. I called the international airport in Las Vegas, talked to the control tower and they, the guy was laughing and he goes, look, if there were UFOs around here, do you think the military would let us be open? There wouldn't be any aircraft coming here. So he gave me the number of the Air Force base, which then I talked to them. Same thing. They said, no. But here's a number of one of the government agency who's tracking radiation from all the detonations around Area 51 and all that area from the 50s and 60s and early 70s of detonating atomic bombs. What they're trying to do is see if any of that radiation has got into groundwater and they're, they're checking periodically for radiation. And it was helicopters. And they would go over an area. Then they would take a reading. They would stop. You could clearly, clearly see, because I've been on helicopters in Vietnam. They, 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 when they stop and they go to move again, there's a dip. And then they, they level off and that's how it is. And, and they, and people are buying this guy. They're still buying that he's literally gotten hundreds of sightings around Las Vegas of UFOs when they're helicopters. Well, I have to say that I, I spent a lot of time in helicopters in Vietnam, in Vietnam myself. So there you go. Yeah. I was in the back though. <laughs> <laughs> <Up front. laughs> yeah. You had protection. You know that. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Tell me about it. Well, you had more on your butt than I did in the back. Yeah. The, the rounds coming through the through the windshield. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that too. Yes. Probably, probably didn't get back to you. <laughs> no, but I want to say thank you for your service, too. That's... Well, thank you for yours as well, by the way. Yeah. But, you know, th- when by saying all this stuff, what I'm trying to tell people, there's people out there that literally, honestly, have seen a sighting that they can't described as being real or not they're not sure but they thought they saw and then there's the people out there that want their one minute of fame that uh do damage when i do the books when i do the books i try to look for the information that 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 provides solid research into the mystery what it does you know the level land sightings for example i have no explanation for them and the people I've talked to involved in that, and the people who are involved in all of that, they're very solid people, and they were telling me, telling others exactly what they had witnessed. And, and so their 
telling us the truth. And, and, and there's a great disservice by those who are just making up their stories and kind of uh, diverting the attention from the real solid cases to these other nonsensical cases. You're right. Well, we're going to take this last break of, uh, for the, tonight. And again, uh, to the caller I called in, just send me a message at to nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. That's nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. We will get out in the next few days some cool stuff from the Festival of Roswell. Uh, boy, I tell you. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Kevin, so stay tuned and we'll be right back. Visualize Real Change is a new book by Von Brashler. Von has appeared on Night Dreams with Gary to discuss his book, Time Shifts. His new book, Manifesting, is a practical look at developing human consciousness with focused intent to accurately project thought power with impact. It's based on ancient wisdom tradition in Raja Yoga, with the magic of advanced consciousness yoga, with exercises extracted from ancient sutras. Like Time Shifts, Manifesting is now available in bookstores or online at Amazon or the Barnes & Noble website. A companion book to Manifesting is a February 2021 release titled Mysterious Messages from Beyond. It examines thought forms that we receive. This episode is brought to you by Kia Nero. It's not about how far you can go, but how far you're inspired to move. The 2023 Kia Nero Hybrid goes the extra mile with class-leading 53 MPG combined. The all-new 2023 Kia Nero Hybrid. Kia movement that inspires learn more at kia.com 2023 Nero hevsx fuel economy claim based on epi estimated combined fuel economy for entry cuv class actual mileage will vary with options driving conditions driving habits and your vehicle's conditions see fueleconomy.gov for more details carolyn is one of many who found a new life through seattle's union gospel mission i was abused i was shot at i thank god every day for bringing me to the mission I found a safe home at the mission and the help I needed to escape the cycle of domestic violence. Today, I'm sharing my story and helping other women at the mission. And grace will lead me home. To hear more, volunteer, or donate, visit UGM.org. From unseen messengers, from ghosts to distant friends to spirit guides, read Manifesting, Messages from Beyond, and Time Shifts, by Von Breschler. Coming to you from some far point station, like a cosmic tumbleweed, both north and south of the Pleiades, here's your host, 
Gary Anderson. And we are back. I'm just waiting for that thunder thunderstorm to pass by. Yeah, again, I got to ask you, Kevin, do you really think in 1947 a UFO did crash? I'm leaning in that direction, and I have to leave in that direction. I, I I try to be dispassionate about this, and I don't want to be one of these guys that, yeah, everything, all these crashes took place, and it's all real. But I have not been able to find any evidence of what it could have been from a terrestrial source. I've talked to any number of people. I think I often say every member of Colonel Blanchard's staff we were able to communicate with, and that's just not me and Don and Tom and Stan and Others, I mean, all that information that we have collected over the over the years, uh, we're, we're saying it was a alien spacecraft. It was something from outer space, with one exception. And I get the impression from that guy. I think it was uh, Colonel Barrowclaw. His idea was that um, it never happened. Nothing happened here. It just you know, go away, leave me alone, type thing. Uh, and it was, I think, him wanting to maintain the the secrecy of what really happened there. I think he was living up to his oath. When I talked to Major Edwin Easley, he was the provost marshal there. He was responsible for security. And I would ask him a specific question. He said, well, I can't tell you that I was sworn to secrecy. I'd ask specific questions about the crash or something like that. He said, I can't tell you about that. I'd sworn to secrecy. But he would help as much as he could. One of the things he told me, for example, was Mac Brazel was complaining about being held in jail after he brought debris into the the sheriff's office back in 1947. And one of the things uh, easily told me was, well, Braslow had been kept in the guest house on base. So it's not exactly a jail. But then again, if you're not allowed to leave and you're kind of held incommunicado, then it's basically the same thing. But you learn little bits and pieces of that. Why would Mac Brazel be held in the um, base guest house for a number of days. Uh, I think we we tracked it out. It's four to six days based on the newspaper articles and what Bill Brazel had told us, the son of the man. So we know he was held there. And you're trying to well, what what could it possibly have been that was that important? And they say, well, it was Project Mogul because it was super secret at the time and nobody wanted to talk about Project Mogul except, of course, what was going on in New Mexico. The launch of these balloon arrays, the Project Mogul balloons, wasn't classified. Nobody cared. Um, they didn't make a Herculean effort to recover the debris if they if, if it was too hard to get to. And other people recognized it for what it was, just a cluster of balloons strung together. Um, so why would Mac Brazel be held in communicado in Roswell for a number of days over a cluster of balloons that were being dropped in New Mexico almost on a daily basis at that time? How about where they had the troops, you know, basically, and, you know, arm's length away, searching the ground for debris? I mean, if it was a weather balloon, they wouldn't be doing that. They wouldn't have had to do that because even the Mogul arrays, by the time they got to New Mexico, the Mogul arrays had been reduced by a third. They were no longer 600 feet long, filled with ray wind targets and all this. They were only 400 feet long. And if you look at the illustrations and the diagrams of the arrays as they were being launched in New Mexico at the very beginning, flight number four supposedly being one of those, there were no ray wind targets on it. And so if Mac Brazel had found the remains of a a mogul balloon, there was no motivation for him to go to Roswell because he could have picked the whole thing up in 20, 20 minutes if it had taken him that long to do it because uh, it was all tied together supposedly with with uh, 
lines and ropes and things like that. So it wasn't just, it wasn't something that had been scattered all over independently. It had all been kind of hooked together, and he just kind of wrapped it up and thrown it in the back of his pickup truck, and that had been the end of it. So there was no, there's no, uh, there's nothing that we can find that suggests that it was a Project Mogul balloon. The other thing that, in, in doing understanding Roswell, it, it suddenly came to me one day that Brazel had brought debris to the sheriff's office. So when he came in with his debris to talk to the sheriff that got Jesse Marcel involved, uh, it was there. I talked to Phyllis McGuire. She was the teenage daughter of the sheriff. They lived above the jail at the time. And, and when Brazel came in, she was there. She was in the jail um, with her father. And so we know that the debris was brought in. Marcel would have looked at it and said, you know, this is a weather balloon or this is balloon material or this is nothing extraordinary. Leave me alone. And he'd gone back to his lunch at the, at the base. He would not have gone out to the, the ranch in Corona. He wouldn't have taken Sheridan Cabot with him. There would have been no big deal had that been what it was. And it could have all been stopped in the sheriff's office because the debris was there unless it was something extraordinary. In that case, that changed the dynamic. And that's the reason that Marcel went out to the, the debris field with Cabot. So we learned all of that stuff by going carefully through the materials, um, the interviews that have been conducted by many, many different people now uh, over, over the years, and all the information that has been published about this, you have to go back and through it, and that's kind of what I tried to do in, in understanding Roswell, was to distill this information. Was, here are the myths surrounding Roswell. We don't need to deal with these, but you have to understand them so that you can understand the extraordinary circumstances of Roswell. Well, you know, again, when you also think about, too, the debris field, you know, the gouging in the ground uh, and, and the length of that, I don't think a weather balloon would have done that. Charles Moore, who was one of the um, people on uh, the Project Mogul team in, in Alamogordo, uh, I think Bill Moore, you know, Charles Moore and Bill Moore, they weren't related, but uh, when he was interviewing Charles Moore, uh, he, he mentioned the gouge, which Bill Brazel talked about. And, and Bill Brazel told us, Bill Brazel took Don Schmidt and me out there and said, you know, here's where it was and here's where the gouge was and all this stuff. Um, that the balloon array would not have created any kind of gouge. There wouldn't have been markings on it. It basically would have fallen down out of the sky and just kind of laid there blown around by the wind type thing um, back in 1947. So uh, we can take a look at all of that sort of thing. So the gouge is another reason to reject the, the, the Project Mobile solution, the balloon solution. That's another reason to select it. Not only that um, there was a rancher, and his name escapes me at the moment, who had found one of the mogul balloon arrays, and there, was, there were cards on it that says, if you find this, please call this number, and we'll come and get it. And so he knew what it was, and he called the number. And, and of course, Brazel never found anything like that. He takes this material into Roswell, and the reason he did that is because there was so much of it. And he wanted to know who was going to clean it up. And people were saying to him, you know, well, it's something obviously from the air. It's something that the, the Army's probably involved with. Make them clean it up. And so that's why he went to Roswell to talk to them about cleaning up um, the material that was scattered there. Uh, Mac Brazel talked about, I'm sorry, Bill Brazel talked about the gouge. Jesse Marcel's talked about the, the, the debris. Tommy Tyree, who was a ranch hand, worked periodically with Mac Brazel, told us that the, the material was so densely packed in that one area that they had to drive the sheep around it to get, get to water, and that annoyed Mac Brazel. You know, another motivation to go to Roswell, have somebody clean this material up. 
Yeah. Well, weather balloon certainly wouldn't have been a debris field like that. How did anybody give you any idea how long this gouge was? From it, it, to me, it, whatever it did it, it when I was read and, and stuff in the past, it looked like the craft kind of like crashed and what was left of the craft and skid a long distance. From what we understand, from what Bill Brazel told us, there was you know kind of uh, narrow at the um, at the at the beginning. It, it spread out into a larger area and then it narrowed again, as if it had hit the ground and skipped back up into the air, and that the main part of it was found in another location uh, further away. Um, so it it kind of shed this debris when it hit the ground, and we don't know exactly how that worked or what the dynamics were but but that's what happened there according to what bill brazel told us from him him seeing it um the 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 debris field was something like three quarters of a mile long according to the the best estimates that we got um there was a rant on a rancher um bud Payne, who was a judge in new mexico and he went out to see the 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 debris field now when we did our uh, archaeological survey back um Many many years ago, we you know the little flags they point put in the ground when you're marking a, um, a gas line or electrical line or a cable line. All those little flags they point there. We had a bunch of those, and what we did was we went from the point that Bill Brazel said here is here's where uh, it began, and we took the flags out three quarters of a mile measured with an uh, odometer on a car and we were putting the flags along there now when we left we went to pick up all those flags as we didn't want to leave any debris back behind or leave any material behind us uh, courtesy to the rancher so we we got to hold bub Payne, and he had seen the the gouge and he'd been to the debris field at the same a couple of days later i suppose it was and uh, he he directed us out there and he came to a different area, and I was thinking, well, he's way off. And as we got out of the truck, um, I looked down and nearly stepped on one of those flags. We'd missed the last one. So what we had was Bill Brazel telling us, here's where it began. And inadvertently, we had Bud Payne saying, here's where it ended. And and so we know it was about three-quarters of a mile. The gouge, the gouge in that area, the debris field, was about three-quarters of a mile long and a couple of hundred yards wide. Yeah, well, I don't know how a weather balloon could do that. This was a massive weather balloon. Yeah, what had it been like a blimp? <laughs> uh, and the the other thing is the, the the display of the weather balloon they usually publish in the, the skeptical books is actually flight number two, which took place on the East Coast, and it was 600 feet long, and it had... I think three or four Raywin targets on it and all these balloons. When they get to New Mexico and you take a look at the diagrams of the balloon arrays, they're 400 feet long and there's not a Raywin target to be found in the earlier flights, which means flight number four had it flown, had no Raywin targets on it at all. So there's nothing to leave the debris that was the metallic debris. You would have the, just the weather balloon type things and an instrument or two package that was with it would have been identifiable as a um, terrestrially manufactured instrument package. So you look at all of that sort of thing, and you talk to the ranchers in the area, we talked to an awful lot of the ranchers in the area, and what they had heard and what they saw, well, like the Proctors, which were the ranchers closest to Mac Brazel, and what they had seen in, uh, in the way of debris and all of that, you, you put together a picture that certainly is not of a weather balloon. Oh, and you really think about it when you put the whole package together. When you, you digest everything, okay? If it was a weather balloon, and then 
test dummies, you know, they changed it there. The story, you know, years later, it was test dum- uh, dummies on it. Why would they, okay, for test dummies, why would they call up the local undertaker and ask them if they have any small size containers? Well, I often wondered about the call for the small size containers because you really don't need a small one. I mean, you just needed a hemetrically sealable coffin. And if you had nothing small, then you put them in a larger one. You know, no big deal there. Um, but I think the problem is, you know, you take a look at all of this sort of information and you have to distill it. You have to remove the nonsense. And that's what understanding Roswell was about, removing the nonsense. Here is the facts distilled to their essence. You know, this may not get you to the extraterrestrial, but we've eliminated everything that is terrestrial. And you have to take a look at all of that thing. So you then you begin asking those sorts of questions. Well, if it was a mogul balloon, why didn't the guys in Roswell recognize it for it was? Not only that, we know from Charles Moore, he told me that they had gone to Roswell and talked to the guys at the base there to help them get their help with tracking their balloons. And the guys in Roswell basically blew them off because they didn't have time for any college boys playing with their balloons. And there's at least two cases I know of where the balloons came down east of the base and they were using the weapons carrier that they had gotten from Alamogordo, the base there. And they had to go to Roswell. They went to the Roswell Army Airfield to gas up. And there's the the debris in the back of it open for everybody to see. Uh, the the um, the weather balloon nonsense. Uh, so we know that the guys in Roswell would have recognized f- for what it was, and and never sent it on to um, Fort Worth. And they would have explained what it was if they felt necessary to issue the press release. And I still haven't figured out exactly why they did that. But they would have said, you know, this is we think we found a flying saucer, but it turns out to be this weather balloon. And that's what happened in Circleville, Ohio. A farmer named. Um, Sherman Campbell found a balloon with a Raywind target, and he called the local sheriff and says, I think I found one of those flying saucer things. And he said, you know, if this is up in the air and this Raywind target's spinning, it's going to look like a saucer-shaped thing. And so um, we have the story from the newspaper from in Circleville, Ohio, about them finding the, uh, the weather balloon, and he recognized it immediately for what it was. True, it wasn't an array of them, but it's the same same sort of thing. And I even found out that the pictures you see in the newspaper of, it said that was um, uh, Sherman Campbell's wife holding up the uh, the, the Raywind target uh, for, for them, for the photographer to see. I found out it was really his daughter holding it up because I was ta- I talked to the daughter and she said, no, the pictures of me holding it up. So, I mean, that's how far in depth we went in the investigation, was even tracking down the Circleville, Ohio uh, balloon because it had a Raywind target involved with it. Um, so that was an important thing to do. But but we have to distill all that information down to its essence so we can understand exactly what happened. You know, what did Frank Joyce, who was the radio... Did you know that driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal? Driving high will get you a DUI. And if you're wondering if law enforcement can tell you're driving high, well, everyone else can. Friends? I can tell you drove high. Parents? I can tell when you drive high. Relatives? I can tell. You drove here high, didn't you? So what makes you think law enforcement can't? I can tell. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. 
Hey, it's future you. What's up, future me? How's 2022? Not great. I'm playing that new gaming system you got, and it's all glitchy thanks to your internet. Oh, that's got to be my slow uploads. You got to switch to Zipply Fiber. Its gig speeds will keep up with all your future devices with 25 times faster uploads. Whoa, Zipply Fiber, huh? Hey, did I get that new 4K TV too? Yes, and I'm trying to watch the big game if your internet doesn't crash again. Get Zipply Fiber. Free your gaming flow and go to ZipplyFiber.com. Announcer at KGFL in, in Roswell. I want to say WKRP for some reason. Yeah, we KGFL all do. KGFL in Roswell. Um, what did he say when he interviewed Mac Brazel? What did he learn? about what was going on. What about George Walsh at KSWS, which was the other radio station? What about the the editors of the newspapers in Roswell in 1947? What did they have to say? And what did they tell us about what was going on? And what did Walter Hott tell us? You know, how did all this come together? And what, do, what does it mean? Is you know, you know, there are cracks in the story? Sure, there are. But we're talking about something that happened 75 years ago, and we're not dealing with the first-hand witnesses anymore. We're dealing with second and third-hand people because it was 75 years ago. Now, somebody on chat said, well, maybe unmarked helicopter. Well, let's be honest with you. Helicopters were bizarre in 1947. Am I right? Bizarre, sure, but they had them. Yeah, they um, had them. They were actually were used in World War II. Yeah, towards the end of World War II. But can I Absolutely. Add? Yeah. But, so even if it had been a helicopter, the, the, the debris would have been of terrestrial manufacture. How do you explain the... the what Bill Brazel described as fiber optics, basically, he says, well, you shine a light in one end of this piece of wire and it comes out the other end. Well, that's fiber optics. They didn't have fiber optics in the helicopters in 1947. Now, what about the, the memory metal that he talked about, the foil-like material that you wad up in a ball and you drop it and it unfolds itself? What did they have in 1947 like that? Well, i got to ask you a question. You were a pilot of a, a Huey, right? Among other things, yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, when a helicopter crashes... What's the odds are creating a hundred and some foot trench? Well, it depends on how you come down. If you've lost your if you've lost your main rotor, you're going to come down and basically create a crater. But if you've lost your tail rotor, for example, there's a procedure where you make what's called a running landing to do that, and then you'd have a big skid mark through there if you've lost your tail rotor. Uh, you know, so there there are crashes in a helicopter that would leave a a a, um, um, a gouge in the earth. Not something as long as is what was described there, but but the debris would give it away, you know, even if it burned. And that was the one thing that, that kind of scared all of us is that Huey had an awful lot of magnesium. And if it caught fire, it was going to burn really fast and really hot. Um, so that that, um, you know, but the debris would have been recognizable as that sort of material to the guys out there, especially other pilots and especially guys at the at the Roswell base would have recognized this is some kind of flying or terrestrial flying machine. And we didn't get that from them, uh, except for for <laughs> Sheridan Cabbage. So, yeah, it was a weather balloon, although he had told Don and me at one point he never went out chasing any weather balloons. And then, of course, when Richard Weaver got to him, who was the uh, Air Force officer investigating it, he Kevin had a whole different story, but um, it, it just doesn't make any sense the way it's told. And you have to look at the entirety of the case to understand everything that's going on around it. You have to understand the MJ-12 nonsense and how that impacts the case. And you have to understand the um, 
the the project mogul argument about that and and you have to take a look at what happened who were the guys involved in it who were the top officers involved in that and this is all in understanding roswell looking at all of this information so that you can understand exactly what transpired back in 1947 and realize that there is no good explanation for what fell at roswell at this point and would the military go up to people's doors and basically threaten people with their lives if it was in uh, a weather balloon. You know, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about those stories. I think that I think they, the the threat idea has grown a little bit over the years, and I think that yeah, the military went out and talked to people and said, you know, if you talk about this, there's going to be repercussions. Um, with the military personnel, if you're involved in anything classified, the, 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 about the last thing you do in the briefing or the activity is you, everything you've seen here is classified. You are not authorized to talk to anybody about it. If you do, you will. You know, here is what happened. You can be put sent to jail for 20 years and you can pay a $20,000 fine. Of course, the, the, the fine has gone up over the years. And, and so there is a threat. But I mean, I issued those kind of threats to people when I was an intelligence officer all the time after a classified briefing. You are not authorized to talk about this, and here are the repercussions if you do. And I think that's part of it. And I think that that uh, uh, some of the guys going out to um, silence the witnesses, is the best way to put it, may have been over-enthusiastic in what they said, and I think some of the people may have been frightened by what they said and how they explained it. So uh, threats were made. I'm not sure they were quite as dire as we hear about today, but threats were made, and there's no question about threats being made to various people. Well, you know, uh, you know, Frankie, the- Rowe told us, Frankie Rowe told us that, that um, she was told if she talked about this out of turn, her parents would end up at... Um, Oh, I forget the name. It was a POW camp at Orchard Park, uh, south of Roswell, which was a POW camp during the Second World War. You, you would, uh, she would find uh, her parents would be there, and the, the kids would be scattered all over New Mexico in foster care or whatever. She was told, you know, that people would, there would be all kinds of dire consequences for talking about this out of turn. Well, you know, there's other ways, too. You know, I think things get embellished with times. But again, if you have somebody knocking on your door and kind of like threatening you, like, hey, if you divulge anything, if you talk about this, something bad could happen to you. You could interpret that many different ways. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and, and we have to. That's the thing we have to be, be careful. OK, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, because we're dealing with events now... Well, when Don and I were doing it, it was what, 40 years or 45 years after the fact and dealing with people who had lived with this for all those years and 
Um, I know, you know, talking to Loretta Proctor, she had been interviewed a number of times of various documentaries and things like that. And I think that as you talk about these sort of things, you reassess the um, the memories that that they are subtly altered, uh, subtly, subtly altered over time as you reassess the, the memories. And I think Elizabeth Loftus has done a lot of work in that sort of thing, showing that people aren't lying about what happened, but, but their memories have been influenced by their discussions with other people or what they've seen and what they've read about it. So as Don and I were moving through that, we had to be cognizant of that problem. How many people... Uh, you know, had stories about Roswell that either their relatives encountered something, saw something, heard something. How many people were involved in the population? Well, if you look at the original story, I think you had very few people who were directly involved. The Proctors were involved because of Mac Brazel and uh, Bill Brazel and, and that sort of thing. You had some military people, I think, to clean up the debris field. And, and secure the area, you had a lot of the soldiers involved from, from the Roswell Army Airfield uh, at, at the time. And I know one of the things that almost all soldiers were trained in, you have basic training, you learned how to mount guard duty and that sort of thing. I mean, I even went through that that, that sort of thing. was wasn't an important part of my career in the military, but I had to go through all that. And I know that when you had a, a mission that required a great number of personnel, you'd sweep through the base and you'd you'd take the cooks and you'd take the band members and you would take uh, the people, the clerk typists, and you'd they would be armed with their weapons and they would be out on security because that's basic training how to do that. So you had a lot of people like that involved and they would have a little part of it. Um, but in, in today's environment, you've got uh, more people involved with family members having talked about I was just thinking Marion Strickland her um, her husband Lyman Strickland was good friends with Mac Braslin she she told us Don me and, and Don Berliner as a matter of fact that she remembered uh, Brazel sitting in her kitchen talking to her husband Lyman and she was listening and he was complaining about being held in jail in Roswell well he wasn't held in jail he was in the guest house but the point was he was still held in in Roswell and, and so then you have the Stricklands involved in that and, and, other, and other ranchers. And, and Mac Brazel talked to other ranchers about that. And Bill Brazel talked about what he had seen. Um, so that kind of spreads it out. But the, the, Tommy Tyree, there's another another fellow. He was involved with Mac Brazel and said that they were out riding the field sometime after this happened. And they looked down in a sinkhole and there was a bit of the debris floating on the water. Neither just felt the... Um, uh, urge to get off the horse and climb down there to retrieve that debris. And of course, when we were there 40 years later trying to find anything like that, that, that sinkhole was gone. But so you've got a lot of people like that were indirectly involved. And uh, well, you've got the people at the the mortuary involved um, in in uh, uh, the search for the coffins. And, and uh, I think Jack Rodden, who was a photographer in Roswell, his father was the original Jack Rodden, I think, uh, in Roswell, who had a security clearance based on what he had done during the Second World War, and he was brought in to photograph some of this stuff. So there's another guy who's brought into it. Um, so, And, of course, there were the reporters who were talking about it, and, and the Marcel family, uh, Vo Marcel, uh, Jesse's wife, and Jesse Jr., of course. So there's an awful lot of people who are involved tangentially in some fashion. Uh, and then, then you know, Frankie Rowe, again, another one who was there. And, and the fire department, her father went out 
uh, Dan Dwyer went out, which is kind of an interesting story, and I see I'm running out of time here. Now, we only got about three minutes left. I, I hate to jump in here, but our time is up. Your newest book, where can they find it? What's it called? Well, the, the newest is Understanding Roswell. It just officially dropped today, I guess. Uh, Amazon and, and other places you'd, you'd look at. The one thing, if you, if you read the book and you don't like it and you want to give it like a one-star rating, please, please write a review of it so I know what was wrong and, and how to improve it. If you want to give it a five-star rating and not write a review, fine, great. Love it, love it. Do that. Um, the other other books, I've got uh, UFOs in the Deep State, which talks about some of the things we've talked about here. The book on Level Land came out just a few months ago. All of this is available at, uh, at Amazon.com. Did a book on the Socorro UFO landing with Lonnie Zamora called Encounter in the Desert, which brings out some additional information. All the books have new information in it and kind of recount it so that if you're a no- novice to the story, you can get a good idea of, of, of the background and understand what's going on. The blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Um, and there's an awful lot of information there about Roswell and other UFO sightings. And I'll mention one other blog I do is uh, www.vietnamgroundzero.blogspot.com, which I label as the relatively true stories of my uh, service in Vietnam because uh, people have been asking me about that. So, And I say relatively true. I had always thought that we left our Thanksgiving meal uh, in the serving line because the flight had been scrambled and I was going back through the letters that I had sent home that my mother saved for me and discovered we had been deployed to a different base on Thanksgiving and that didn't happen. But there were times when we did leave our food on the table or in the serving line because the flights had been scrambled uh, for a mission. So you can take a look at that. It's Vietnam Ground Zero, all one word, all lowercase, blogspot.com. And you have a podcast. What's that? Uh, it's called A Different Perspective. Uh, there's links to it on my blog. Uh, you can uh, There's like 200 and some different um, interviews on there. You can scroll down. You can type a, a name into it, and it'll probably link to a story, and that'll take you to that specific uh, um podcast some of them are very interesting i got i've gotten two people mad enough to hang up on me which in one <laughs> case was my my desire to show him what an idiot he was and it worked <laughs> so um there's there's that sort of thing going on but an awful lot of information is it at the um on the blog interesting well kevin it's always been nice having you on again and sorry don could i wonder i'm really worried i know his wife has been under the weather maybe something happened i'm gonna have to find out but you know again thank you for carrying the show i mean it made a big (laughs) difference i was sweating bullets here and you know how can i say it i mean again thank you for your service to the country and what everything you've done about roswell Again, I don't think the government will ever come clean, at least in my lifetime. So, well, we can only hope for the best, and something somebody will slip something to us that will break the thing open. Right. Okay, my friend, you take care, and have a great Fourth of July. You too. Thank you very much, and, and thank you for your service. Okay, my friend. Well, don't forget, I'm going on vacation. And tonight's last night on the air. I'll be back on the 19th. Now, uh, our Bob Clark will be on tomorrow doing his show. And then next week and the week after, I'll run some replays of the best of Night Dreams Talk Radio. Ah, I, I need this break. I need to do a lot of work. I got to even place, replace the hot water tank. Believe it or not, my house is almost 40 years old now. And I have the original hot water tank. That's right. 
the original hot water tank. You go buy a hot water tank nowadays, you're lucky you get four or five years off of them. Tells you, tells you about how the things are made. Well, everybody, I want to thank you. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be in syndication. We wouldn't be on all the apps. People wouldn't be listening to us. And a big shout out to all the truckers, because you're the one It made this all happen. Word of mouth. Please uh, give us a thumbs up if you haven't. Like our channel. Tell your friends about us. It's important. Let them know that we do talk radio like you remember. If you liked Art Bell's show in the 80s and 90s, we kind of have the same format. Well, everybody have a good one. We'll catch you on the 19th. Again, we're going to run replays tomorrow. uh, Bob Clark has a show. Very good psychic con. So everybody have a good one. Whether you're buying benches, bread makers, or bottles of bubble bath, paying for business expenses with an Amex Blue Business Cash Card can be rewarding. You'll earn 2% cash back as a statement credit on your first $50,000 in purchases per year and 1% after that. So you get rewarded for getting what you need for your business. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business cash. Amex Blue Business Cash. Built for business by American Express. Carolyn is one of many who found a new life through Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. I was abused. I was shot at. I thank God every day for bringing me to the mission. I found a safe home at the mission and the help I needed to escape the cycle of domestic violence. Today, I'm sharing my story and helping other women at the mission. And grace will lead me volunteer or donate visit ugm.org whether you're buying benches bread makers or bottles of bubble bath paying for business expenses with an amex blue business cash card can be rewarding you'll earn two percent cash back as a statement credit on your first fifty thousand dollars in purchases per year and one percent after that so you get rewarded for getting what you need for your business. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business cash. Amex Blue Business Cash. Built for business by American Express. Baz Luhrmann's revolutionary film comes to life in Moulin Rouge the musical. Hey, sister, go, sister, soul, sister, flow, sister. Winner of 10 Tony Awards, including Best Musical. The New York Times calls it dazzling, euphoric. In Moulin Rouge, life is beautiful. Experience the spectacular in Seattle from December 14th to January 1st at the Paramount Theater. Get tickets at stgpresents.org.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In my heart, like the first days, like the lava. I try to keep you in my heart, like the first days, like the moment.
Manifesting, Using Thought Forms to Visualize Real Change is a new book by Von Brashler. Von has appeared on Night Dreams with Gary to discuss his book, Time Shifts. His new book, Manifesting, is a practical look at developing human consciousness with focused intent to accurately project thought power with impact. It's based on ancient wisdom tradition in Raja Yoga, with the magic of advanced consciousness yoga, with exercises extracted from ancient sutras. Like Time Shifts, Manifesting is now available in bookstores or online at Amazon or the Barnes & Noble website. A companion book to Manifesting is a February 2021 release titled Mysterious Messages from Beyond. It examines thought forms that we receive from unseen messengers, from ghosts to distant friends to spirit guides. Read Manifesting, Messages from Beyond, and Time Shifts by Von Breschler. The UFO Festival blasts off July 1st through 3rd in Roswell, New Mexico. This year is the 75th anniversary of the Roswell Incident. Was it a UFO or a weather balloon? Whatever you believe, our festival has out-of-this-world activities for all ages and a headliner concert featuring Midland. Explore our galaxy of events at UFOfestival.com. UFOfestival.com. You are listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio Network, the home of Night Dreams Talk Radio. With Gary Anderson, syndicated worldwide. Paranormal Talk Radio, like you remember. Well, here it is, a day before Friday. Tomorrow, we got a very special show. We have two great experts on Roswell Crash of 1947. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. We're also going to take calls in at 8 p.m. Pacific West Coast time. And everybody who calls in with a UFO story or abduction story, it has to be your encounter, not something you read, will get a gift uh, from the festival. Anything from a, a mug to a water bottle to who knows, a lot of stuff they sent me. And we're going to be giving that out tomorrow night. And when, after back, I get back from vacation uh, in July, we're going to have call-ins and we're going to give out all this stuff to it's all gone. Well, in the news... Huh, reality. Now, quantum uh, scientists are saying that reality maybe does not exist at all. Gee, does that mean my producer maybe doesn't exist? James, what do you think about that, buddy? That's a two-way street. It's all an illusion, and that's the reality of no reality. It's so confusing. Like you said, they all got opinions. One day it's reality, it's a matrix, it's a make-believe, and the next day it's real. Where do you go with this, Gary? Who do you believe? I don't know, but we've had two experts on in the last couple of days, and, you know, they all contradict themselves. You know, Michio Kaku has his theory. You know, Bob had his last night, the guest before, the night before. You know, had his guest, uh, you know, uh, thought about reality. Well, I don't know, but I can tell you this. Last year when I was working on the deck, I missed the nail. And I tell you, I slammed my hand really good with a hammer. And if that wasn't reality, I don't know what was, James. <laughs> I say the same thing every time I stow my toe every once in a while on this daggone desk. That's the reality of it. But they're going to tell you then it was just an illusion, Gary. Okay. Or or when you eat something with peanuts in it, right? 
Is that a reality, what happens to you? It, it is, especially when my eyes swell up so much I can't see what's going on. Nah, that's just an excuse. Anyway, a company now wants to dig the deepest holes in the world. They figured by digging the deepest holes in the world, they can power. They can power the whole world with electricity. Oh, my goodness. You know, that one deep hole, I think it's in Russia, Siberia, so deep, Gary, they thought the same thing, I think. But helicopters can't even fly over it. I mean, it sounds like you're messing with something that uh, they might not want to. I think lots can happen with that. Well, you know, the one hole they dug in in, uh, Russia. Yeah. You know, uh, my friend Art had this, well, audio clip he would uh, play once in a while. And it yeah. sounded like living hell, you know, and for years, it, it, I really believe maybe they captured hell sounds. And then I was watching this foreign old movie was made in the 50s. And all of a sudden I heard the exact same screams and all that. Somebody who sent it to him probably was watching that old movie, sent it to him and said, hey, this is what they captured in that deep hole, the world's deepest hole in Siberia. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. But here's the other thing with those big holes. They pick up sound from far away and, and echo it, and, and you can hear it. So, But listen, I still think you're playing with fire with these giant holes. Yeah, well, I don't play with holes at all. Anyway, space experts have now said that risky astro- asteroid was going to predict to hit Earth 2052, the one it was going to take out the Earth. Well, now they're saying it's not going to happen in 2052. <laughs> as if they could see that far in the future. Remember the one two years ago? Wasn't didn't even know about. It, and then, then the other one, oh, it's not going to hit, but it landed in the Mediterranean. Remember that one, Gary? I remember so, the, in the news that morning they said, "Don't worry, it's not going to hit the Earth. It'll just skim and go." Well, it didn't. Yeah, it skimmed and it went and it hit the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Ocean. Yeah. So I mean, hey, we can only predict to a certain extent. Well, another mystery creature. Kind of like the Lord of the Rings, kind of like washed up from the ocean. It has huge jaws, like a dinosaur, and it has no eyes. Oh, I didn't see that thing. But they're finding things all the time in the deep, so it's not surprising me that something strange washed up. But, you know, another thing, when those things start to decompose, they look totally, totally like a sea monster, though, too. Well, in Iowa, maybe we should go there because, you know, there's people photographing UFOs. They're making videotapes of it. Oh, that sounds... Listen, there's all kind of uh, videos coming out over, but yeah, Iowa seems to be a hot spot right now. That is the place to be. I don't know. I, as long as it isn't over my house, I'm, I'm fine with it. Well, you know, a man was arrested here in Seattle for shoplifting. 11 cases of beer. <laughs> I thought, you know what I I know what you was... thought. Another bear shoplifted <laughs> yeah. and, and was yeah. going out of the store dragging a case yeah. of beer. You know, we haven't had any with any bears doing shoplifting. Just going into people's houses and raiding their houses for the beer. Yeah, right. And then we haven't had any horses get pulled over for DUI either. <laughs> that was a donkey. Our donkey, excuse me. You know, they did fire that deputy over that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, come on, you can't make a, a donkey stand on one foot and say the ABCs. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, the, 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 the ludicrous, why would a deputy sheriff, right, waste his time 
to try to prove that this donkey was drunk. <laughs> that's by the book there now, I'll tell you. Pull yeah, over a, a donkey point. off the side of the road and, and give it a breath test and try to get it to, uh, come on, walk. a donkey is going to walk a straight line? <laughs> I think he, he was in his patrol card snorting a line or two. That's what I think. I think so, too. You can't even get a donkey to walk a straight line. They're so daggone stubborn as it is. But that's, that was amazing story. That and there's all the bears and beers. Well, in our own own country, they found a civilization that was built roughly at the same time as the pyramids. Whoa. And where is this at, does it say? I pray tell. I don't know, but it's rather interesting. They They keep finding oh, yeah. this stuff. You know that. They do. I'll tell you what, with this LIDAR now, stuff will pop up. You can't hide no more with the LIDAR. Look at all the stuff they're finding in uh, Central America. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All down through South America. Well, a couple weeks ago, they found pyramids in 11 ancient cities, lost cities in the middle of the Amazon. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, you can't hide no more at the LIDAR. And I think we're going to have a lot more great discoveries as time goes on, too. Okay, for everybody out there, okay, if you want to go nude in your backyard this summer because of the heat and all that stuff, because we're going to have a lot of heat, just remember these satellites can photograph you. And you'll have somebody, as a, a, a person who's analyzing these pictures from these satellites, you could end up on the Internet. You could be a Google Map star, so to speak, that's for sure. Yeah. So be prepared. So don't do that. Well, tonight we got a great show. We're going to talk about the metrics. We're going to talk about Bigfoot and all kinds of weird stuff here tonight on Night Dreams. We'll be right back with our guests. So stay tuned. You're listening to, well, I don't know tonight. Well, Gary here on Night Dreams Talk Radio. The UFO Festival blasts off July 1st through 3rd in Roswell, New Mexico. This year is the 75th anniversary of the Roswell incident. Was it a UFO or a weather balloon? Whatever you believe, our festival has out-of-this-world activities for all ages and a headliner concert featuring Midland. Explore our galaxy of events at UFOFestival.com. UFOFestival.com. John Olson was born and raised in Cache Valley. At the age of eight, he realized that the home he lived in was peculiar. His parents still owned the old farmhouse built in the mid-1880s. Strange experiences such as 
phantom knocks, loud boots running the stairs, and missing objects became commonplace for him as he grew up. With each run-in with what he called the man in the hat, John's interest in the paranormal grew. His parents forbade him from telling anyone of his experiences in fear of what others in the small community would think. He found solace in learning everything he could about his encounters from library books. As he shared his extraordinary stories, friends came to him sharing stories of their brush with the supernatural. As he reached his teen years, his friends would visit his home and have their own experiences. These strange encounters opened the door for him to tell others what he's experienced. Fueled by his own brushes with the unknown, John has spent the last 25 years interviewing and documenting first-hand accounts of those who have witnessed all kinds of strange and unusual phenomena in the western United States. The Stranger Bridgerland series contains first-hand accounts of ghosts, monsters, hauntings, glitches in the Matrix, Sasquatch, and UFOs. Well, welcome to the show, Bob. How are you doing this evening? I'm good, Gary. How are you doing tonight? How did, did you like that bio? That was good. That was great. You can mail the check to voice. one, two, three. Whether you're buying benches, bread makers, or bottles of bubble bath, paying for business expenses with an Amex Blue Business Cash Card can be rewarding. You'll earn 2% cash back as a statement credit on your first $50,000 in purchases per year at 1% after that. So you get rewarded for getting what you need for your business. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Cash. Amex Blue Business Cash. Built for business by American Express. Three Mockingbird Lane. There you go. <laughs> eight years old. great. Eight, you were eight years old mm-hmm. and you, you lived in a farmhouse. I yes, and I'm actually coming to you from that very farmhouse right now. I'm my parents' home. I'm doing the interview from there tonight. So, but, okay, who's that guy in the sheet behind you? <laughs> I just keep your eye out. Who knows? Ah, you got to watch out for those. So you're eight years old. Mm-hmm. What happened? I mean, I mean, what was your first experience, which was strange in that farmhouse? Well, some of the first things I remember is. Uh, the heavy boot steps going up and down the, the steep staircase and just remembering, um, you know, hearing a few voices here or there and just talking to my sister and my brother. I have a sister that's uh, four years older than me and a brother that is uh, one year younger than me. And um, we started talking about, you know, the footsteps and the, the weird things going on. And it wasn't long before, um, you know, we went to our parent, my parents and we said, you know, is our house haunted? And um, my dad would say, no, 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 and don't tell anybody our house is haunted. And um, our our mom would listen. My mother would listen and, you know, kind of tell us a little bit about her stories. But it wasn't until I was much older that I found out they were having their own experiences in the house at the time. But they didn't want us to be afraid, and they also didn't want it to get out into the public that uh, it was uh, that our house was haunted. So you're eight years old. What was your first experience? So I remember, um, well, I remember being around eight years old and I was playing with a little toy airplane. It was a metal uh, airplane and, um, you know, just playing around with it. And I went into the kitchen and set the airplane down and went to the sink and got a glass of water and took a drink. And I turned around and the airplane was gone 
and in its place was a cap gun. And I picked it up, and it was really heavy. And I took it to my mom, and she looked at it, and she kind of brushed it off and said, just go play with that. And for many years, I remember, you would set down something, and it would either disappear or there would be something else in its place. The cap gun, um, which, you know, it would disappear and reappear, and I finally was able to get it but it's and, and keep it in a place where I could make sure it didn't, you know, wander off again. But it was from the 20s. It was a 1920s uh, cap gun and, you know, made of real cast metal. And so that was one of the first ones I remember happening to me when I was a kid. You know, it is strange. We all have that. You know, there's times, I'll be honest with you, I know where I put it. I'm positive <laughs> I put that item where I... You know, and then mm-hmm. I go back to get it 10 minutes later. It's not there. Yeah. And then I tear the whole place apart trying to find it. Right. I can't find it. Now I'm pulling out what little hair I have. I go <laughs> back into the studio and it's sitting on the desk. It's sitting there on the desk. But it wasn't there when I left. Right. How do and you explain that? You, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that, too, because um, I remember when I was, it was probably, I was around eight or nine at the time and it was Saturday morning. And of course me and my brother went downstairs to the basement where the TV room was to watch cartoons. And at the time my mom and sister had left and my dad was the only other one home. And he yelled down the stairs for me and my brother to bring back his shoelaces. Uh, he had gotten a pair of boots, um, through the mail and he'd, you know, finally it was Saturday. So he got them out and set them on the table, and and he turned around to get the scissors to cut um, the bands around the laces so he could lace up the boots, but when he turned back around, they were gone. And he was yelling at me and my brother to bring them back, and we hadn't left the basement. And he tore up the kitchen and everything looking for these things, and he finally gave up. And when he went outside uh, to the front porch on our little... Um, picnic table out there they had been cut and laid out perfectly on the picnic table out front and uh keith you know for a long time you blamed me and my brother but we'd never left the basement so uh that kind of stuff happened a lot when i was growing up you know that's scary we bought this house going on 22 years ago and it's a uh you know it's we have a mini farm it's a rambler you know a larger one and, you know, we bought it, and the real estate agent never disclosed that, hey, the house burnt down about 10 years before you bought it. So the the people we bought it from, they actually uh, bought it from somebody else because it burnt down and they rebuilt it. I got suspicious because I found out deep in the woods a whole bunch of burnt wood, you know, lumber, a lot. And that's where they, and they buried it. You know, because we have a horse pasture and we put or we put a horse pasture in. So when we were, you know, with the bulldozer, you know, leveling things out, there was all this wood half burnt. They just buried, you know, because we're out in the rural area. So, you know, they didn't haul it to the dump or anything. Yeah. And they didn't burn it all off. They just buried it. And, you know, one of my kids kept saying the house is haunted. Oh, come on. I Yeah. I, like I buy that. Yeah. Like a three dollar bill. No. I keep seeing this woman walking down the hallway and her name's Sarah. Wow. And this went on for years. And he was probably at the time like 14, 15 years old. And I was talking to one of the people that lived behind me. Uh, They have an easement through my property to their house. And I was talking to him. I said, you know, when did this house actually get rebuilt and all that stuff? Because 
there was no really any records with the county of it, you know, being, you know, burnt down, you know. And they mm-hmm. said, yeah, almost burnt down to the ground. And uh, and I said, well, did anybody? Yeah. There was a young girl named Sarah that perished when the house burnt down. Oh, wow. So I don't know if the house is haunted or what. I've never seen a ghost. But like I said, I, I and it happens quite often. I, I know I'm not, uh, I don't have Alzheimer's yet or anything like that. <laughs> but I, I can tell you, I, I will place something down. And it either appears in the other part of the place or it comes back a day or two later or half an hour later where I put it. Right. It's strange. And, you know, you have had that happen. You're saying yourself. Yeah, I've had that happen a lot, um, quite a bit, actually. So um, it's it's very off putting, I guess you could say, very disconcerting when you when you know that you put something down and. And now it's gone. And and the funny thing is, um, there were things, toys of ours that would disappear for years and then show back up. Um, in fact, I had a, you know, we live kind of out in the country a little bit. And, of course, when I was a, little, a kid, I had a BB gun. And um, I left the BB gun out um, in the kitchen and came back the next day, and it was gone, and nobody said they took it. And that, that never did show up again. It's gone forever. If somebody stole it or if the ghost stole it, he never brought that back. So, Well, were you shooting birds or anything, and your parents or your dad decided to take it and say, Hey, I don't know I, where it went. I've, I've asked them. They, they swear up and down that they never took it. So who knows? Interesting. What other – have you seen anything that really scared you? In that house. Yeah, the one time that I really did get scared, um, I was in about eighth grade. I came home from school, and my my mother was gone running errands. I was the first one home from school. And so I, I made myself a sandwich and came into the front room. In fact, this front room that I'm sitting in now. And uh, I sat down, and before I could turn the TV on, something caught my eye, Um coming at the edge of the living room and I looked and there was a tall, um, tall man with overalls and a white shirt and a wide brimmed hat. And I could see through him and I couldn't see his facial features, but I could see the details of his clothes. And he walked in and sat in the rocking chair across from me and started rocking back and forth. And I closed my eyes and I counted to 10 and I opened my eyes again and he was gone, but the rocking chair was still rocking. (laughs) And so I jumped up and ran out of the house and sat on the porch until mom came home uh, so I felt more comfortable to come back in the house. So that was one of the rare times that I was actually really frightened by what was going on. But um, it's it's interesting growing up in it. um, There wasn't a lot that scared me. There was a lot that fascinated me, but not a lot that really frightened me. Well, with all that stuff going on, I got to ask you a question. I am still at my age, 70 years old. I'll be honest with you. If I drop my cell phone off the side of the bed, my wife kills me because I turn the light on. <laughs> and, you know, to, even if it has the light on on the phone going, because I'm terrified to reach underneath that bed in the dark. Right. You know, right. maybe like the boogeyman's going to grab me and suck me underneath the bed or something. Mm-hmm. And you, like I said, it's interesting because I remember as a teenager trying to go to sleep and um, just as I was about to go to sleep, um, at the at my door, I could hear two people having a conversation. 
and it went back and forth. And I finally sat up in bed and said, I've got school in the morning. You've got to be quiet. I can't you know, sleep. And they went away. But um, and then just I went back to sleep. So, you know, like I said, growing up in a, it was I, sometimes it was more annoying than it was scary for sure. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, and I, it's hard for me to watch a scary movie and get really scared, which annoyed my daughter because she loved scary movies growing up. And she's like, doesn't this scare you? And I'm like, well, when you kind of grow up in a <laughs> in a haunted house, it's hard to scare you with uh with a hollywood movie but well would you watch a scary movie in that living room like at two o'clock in the morning i yeah i don't think it would bother me honestly um i know that sounds really weird but um yeah i don't think it would i think hey honestly because of the way i grew up i'm i'm actually more afraid of living people and what they're capable of (laughs) (laughs) well you know i'd be terrified watching a scary movie at two o'clock in the morning in your living room and somebody says, well, I want some popcorn, and you turn there, and there's a ghost sitting next to you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And you had friends, too, that had strange encounters in that house? Yeah, I did. I remember I was upstairs in my room, and I was studying with one of my friends, and I was just studying, and all of a sudden, she threw her biology book to the floor with a thud and just stared at me. And I kind of looked at her, and I said, well, what's what's the matter? And she goes, what is that? And I'm like, what is what? I have no idea what you're talking about. And she says, we've been up here for, for 20 minutes and three different times somebody has come up your stairs and there's nobody on your stairs. And I, and I said, oh, I, I had to admit, I, yeah, I said, I live in a haunted house. And that happens so often, it kind of just goes to the background for me. And so um, there was things like that that happened to my friends and they finally, you know, they started having me tell stories at parties and, and tell my ghost stories. And, and that's what really launched me into interviewing people and, and gathering stories from other people. Interesting. Now, we need to take like a two-minute break when we come back. I, I got to ask you a question when we come back. Well, I'm going to ask you now, and you answer it when we come back. How did people treat you at school? Because when it got around that your house was haunted, They had a treat you special. We'll find that out right after this. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Check out our website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Deep in the desert wilderness of Arizona, there lies a fabled treasure trove of gold. One that was said to be enough to make 20 men millionaires all the way back in 1891. Many have searched for it, but all have failed. After years of research, author Matt Polston debunks many myths surrounding the mine, including the location. Your next adventure awaits in The Lost Dutchman Mine Location, rewriting history. But are you brave enough to take the first step? Available on PolstonHouse.com. Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. Get your copy today. The Lost Dutchman Mine Location. www.polstonhouse.com
great paranormal talk radio was in the 80s and 90s, Night Dreams Talk Radio brings back to you talk radio like you remember with your host, Gary Anderson, broadcasting to you live from his secret compound deep in the great Northwest. Now, here's Gary. And here I am, and it's so secret that when I take off to run an errand and I come back to the studio, I can't find it. It's like, no, that's not true. Well, John, I mean, here you had friends that had encounters in that old farmhouse. And mm-hmm. I know how young kids are. They they go to school, and they're going to talk. Now, yeah. did that cause you to lose friends? Did the people, did they treat you special? You know, it was around um, when I was about a teenager, just barely in high school is when I finally started admitting and, and telling people about it. And, you know, I was really afraid because especially the way my parents had warned us that people would think we were crazy. Um, and I didn't lose any friends when I started talking about it. And um, what surprised me was the number of this episode is sponsored by Me Undies. Me Undies has you and your butt covered this holiday season with the most perfect gifts imaginable. From undies and bralettes to loungewear and sleepwear, Me Undies has what you need for everyone on your list. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out their holiday gift guide for ideas that are more snug than a hug. To get 20% off plus free shipping on your first order, visit MeUndies.com slash span. That's MeUndies.com slash S-P-A-N. Mercedes-Benz of Seattle. It's time to drive the car that you've always really dreamed of. If you're looking to give the gift of a lifetime, then now is the time to visit Mercedes-Benz of Seattle during our winter sales event. Today, you can lease a pre-owned 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLC 300 SUV for just $399 down and $399 a month for 12 months. Yes, a 2022 GLC SUV for just $399 down and $399 per month. Mercedes-Benz of Seattle is the number one volume Mercedes-Benz dealership in Washington, and with nearly 500 vehicles to choose from, including the popular Sprinter van, you're sure to find the car you've always dreamed of. Mercedes-Benz of Seattle. It's time to drive the car that you've always really dreamed of. Net cap cost 39280 Total lease charge through SBC Financial 4788 based on 7500 miles per year. Stock number NV362085. Excludes taxes and fees. Inventory current time of media release. See dealer for full disclosure or call 206-489-1870. Offer expires January 3rd, 2023. Number one claim based on NBUSA sales results for 2021. People that were fascinated by it and then also the number of people that would come to me and tell me their stories afterwards. Um, I think that was probably more shocking than than the number of people that, you know, I had people that kind of dismissed it or they said, oh, ghosts aren't real or, you know, and I just kind of laughed to myself because I thought, you know, you really don't know if, if you know, if you haven't had an experience, that's fine. But, um, you know, I just, I felt confident in myself, I guess, which, which kind of helped me, I guess, as a, as a teenager, because you have a hard time finding that confidence. But when I was able to, um, one, you know, admit it and tell those stories. And I was able to find that I, I was actually pretty good at, you know, telling stories and keep, keeping people interested and, and, uh, that my paranormal stories that people actually wanted to listen to them. So it, it kind of helped me find a voice. I, I guess I could say. Yeah. Again, you know, you wonder, are there really ghosts? Are, is it another parallel? You know, they're, they're close to cracking another dimension, the fourth dimension, which, according to Michio Kaku, then things like 
different realities could exist in our same plane. But -hmm. then again, after what I read in the science journal today, that, well, there's no such thing as reality. It probably doesn't exist. So how -hmm. could I even be talking to you right now, John? Yeah, it's it's. It's really kind of strange. It, I the more I the more I research, the more I hear, the more I interview people, and the more I study myself, the more I realize that reality is stranger than fiction. It really, really is. And so, you know, yeah, who knows? I, I know that I was talking to somebody the other day, and we had a very deep conversation about the fact that um, a lot of religions are based on the fact that that we're here to be tested. And who knows, maybe that that's the the reality is just created simply to be tested. Who knows? So there's there's a big it seems like the divide between science and philosophy kind of mingles together. And it it makes for a really fun, you know, experience to talk about. Well, you know, again, it seems like they're finding new things out all the time. But then. You know, every time they, well, we think we figured this out. Then they come back. Ah, no. Right. You know, you know, like I was talking to Bob Burnham last night, you know, because he's an expert on stars, galaxies, solar systems. That's what he does for a living. And, you know, I was reading a science journal that said that, you know, the galaxies, solar systems and all this tie together like a big tunnel, a hologram tunnel. And he said, that's impossible. But then you got a group of scientists. You know, this is so Interesting. I mean, things like ghosts, do they really exist? Is it other, maybe where we go to in another dimension, you know, maybe we don't totally die. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That are, and, and, you know, what our, we have in our brain continues on in another plane. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, I, from my experience with, with talking to people and, um, their experience too, with, um, meeting with loved ones that have passed on, it's, uh, it just solidifies in me that there is something beyond this life, that there is, you know, life after death, so to speak. And, um, it's very comforting in a lot of ways, if you think about it that way. Well, maybe we're not here at all. Maybe we are dead. And I, you know, it's like reality. What is real and what's, what's, what's a dream? Is a dream real or what we're doing right now real? I don't know. It's just more interesting now. Yeah. There was a, there was a show I watched that I used to watch and, um, it was a comedy. It was called, um, oh, I wish I could remember, but it was about dead people who were dead and, 
thought they were in heaven, but they were actually in hell, and um, the good place is what it was called. And so I found that fascinating too. Maybe maybe we're already dead, and this is we're, we're reliving or you know living in purgatory. Who who knows? Well, as long as it isn't like that movie, Little Nicky. Oh, Little Nicky, yeah, yeah. You remember remember Adolf Hitler and the pineapple? Yeah, every day, same time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that is hell. That is hell. Yeah, that would be definitely so. Bigfoot. Yes. Do you believe that they really exist? Um, I as we were talking about before the show, I haven't seen one personally. It's actually on my bucket list. I would love to uh, see uh, Sasquatch. Um, with everybody that I've interviewed personally, and you know, looked them in the eye and had them tell me their story, I there's got to be something to it for sure. I I believe that there's something to it. What it is exactly, I I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Is it a real physical creature? Is it a mes- metaphysical creature? Is it you know something like that? I'm I'm not sure, but I believe that there is something to it for sure. Well, they're big and they smell really bad. I can tell you that. You know, yeah. I figured out how we we should get together next summer, and what we'll do is we'll get a volunteer named well James. And we will go buy a couple gallons of peanut butter and we'll smear them with peanut butter and take them down to a hot area where Bigfoot is reported. That sounds good. I, I, I think James would be good with that. I'm pretty sure. Well, James, would you be okay with that one? Oh, sure. Just as long as there's a bus around to run, throw me under at the same time, I'll be good. Yeah. Now, you know, it, it, now if the Bigfoot gets angry because we're trying to pull you away because it's, you're it's dinner, all I can say is, well, gee, that was a bad experiment. <laughs> yeah, I can just see you. that Bigfoot's going to chase you out and so he can munch on me up by himself. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Here's the thing. You hear all these different stories. You know, we have uh, a Moorhead. You know, who is an expert in Bigfoot and Ron Moorhead. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he captured this era sounds and he was really for years. These are flesh and blood creatures. But then, you know, in the last year and a half, he's changed. Now, maybe there's something from the paranormal, something not flesh and blood. And I think what happens when a lot of people can't get the actual physical proof, then they kind of sway over the other way because they they have spent all this time trying to prove something exists. Yeah. I mean, you would think there would be, I guess you could say a body. That's the one that, that's the golden grail they're looking for. The Holy Grail is the actual dead body. And, you know, the longer it takes to get that, you know, it makes you wonder um, exactly what's going on with it. And um, I have learned over the years that, other, other than UFO, probably b- people who are involved with Bigfoot, you you range all across the spectrum of different people and their beliefs around Bigfoot. And many of them are very staunch in their beliefs, um, whether it's a physical creature, whether it's a metaphysical creature, whether it, you know, you know, from being able to cloak to infrasound, I mean... There's just a lot of people out there with a lot of different theories, for sure. 
Well, it's just like physics right now, right? Do you know? Do we? Is the world flat? You know, like flat and you know, Earthers. But here, here's the point: unless you see one, you can only go by what other people say. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you: you're, you know, all these people who make these videos, like next to a campground, a picnic ground on a trail that hundreds of people walk a day, and they go, "Look, ten feet over there, there's a." There's a uh, habitat that a Bigfoot is building. And you, and you go, why would a Bigfoot build something like 10, 15, 20 feet off a path that people right. walk? They're not going to do that. The tricksters are out there like you wouldn't believe. But here's the problem. I don't think you're going to find a Bigfoot in an area where there's people. I really right. don't. I mean, I never believed they existed ever. You know, I saw that movie that was made, uh, the guy who played Cheyenne, I can't, uh, Clint Walker, made a movie about the killer Bigfoot that was based out of Washington State back in the 60s. And I watched that and laughed. Oh, nothing like that could ever exist. And people through the years, because I've been doing this for so long, they would tell me their Bigfoot stories. You know, now I have to be careful because I got a camera there facing. And there were times I would spit my coffee or whatever <laughs> I was drinking over the monitors laughing. And I, because I never believed that they existed. Right. But then when I had my encounter, you know, my whole life changed. And, and all I can say is what I saw was flesh and blood. And it, it didn't send me any orbs saying, hey, Gary, I love you as a human. <laughs> you know, do you have any... Yeah peanut butter and jelly in your backpack none of that happened right yeah so i don't know yeah it's it's really fascinating just the the different stories that are out there and um the the beliefs around them for sure and like i said I've, i've never seen one but i sure would love to I would sure love to. Um, maybe not necessarily in the context which you did, which was frightening, of course. But um, uh, still, it would be it would be one for the books for sure. Have you ever saw any footprints or any hair or anything like that ever? Yes, me and my youngest um, were back. Uh, oh, probably about eight or nine miles back in. We. Um, in the spring in this area, the the Forest Service locks off the roads until um, May something when the snow's gone and you're not going to tear up the roads. And and we went back up um, to do some rock hounding and some shed hunting looking for uh, deer antlers. And um, we came across uh, some footprints that were across the hill and then down and through that we followed. And it was a large bipedal. Um, the it was a good 15 inches long. We never found any soft ground where it made a good toe imprint or anything like that, but it was very obvious. There was a large bipedal creature that had come down the hill and walked down and across and not very long ago from when we were there, but the, in that area, which is called, it's actually called left hand, um, is the area we were in. Um, I've interviewed several people who've had Bigfoot encounters in that area uh, at that, you know, throughout, you know, the time around, not just when we saw it, but, but throughout a lot of different times in that very same area. So yeah, I've seen footprints, um, and interviewed a lot of people, but that's the closest I've come. 
Well, you know, again, they say, why don't we find bodies of Bigfoot? But, you know, I was telling you about a, a park ranger that we've had on numerous times through the years, Christopher George, a law enforcement ranger. Mm-hmm. And in fact, before he retired, he was in charge of two national parks. So the guy was a little bit up there. And, you know, the, the thing is, like with Bigfoot, I mean, or any animal, if you die in the woods, if I died in the woods within a week, you're not going to find any really trace of me, except maybe some clothing here or there, because right. of all the different animals, you know, are going to come and, oh, free dinner, and they're going to carry your body parts everywhere. Yeah. And and what's interesting about that as well is, you know, um, the many years that I've spent in the mountains, hiking, fishing, hunting uh, in northern Utah, um, I have only ever seen one bear uh, come across one one bear. And yet I know there is a lot of bears up there, but I've only ever seen actually one. And so if uh, Sasquatch is a lot less than bear, which supposedly, you know, there's a lot less of them. Of course, you know, I've never come across a dead bear. I've never, you know, only ever seen one. So you can only imagine with less of them, it's, it's, you know, there'd be even less chance of finding a body or, or seeing one, so to speak. Yeah. It wouldn't take long before it would be gone again with hunters. When they find hunters out there that succumb to, you know, the elements, because let's face it, you're out in the woods and you're out by yourself. If you broke your leg or sprain your leg, you know, that's probably it, you know, your last, uh, time living on earth very shortly after that you're going to perish because you're not going to be able to get back and again they they don't find remains of humans very often out in the woods it doesn't take long you know between what happens naturally and then all the different critters with that so the odds are you know finding a dead bigfoot you know it really you know if there's not a lot of them the odds are you just go out there looking for one you're not going to find it Right. And, and there are people too that I, that believe that they may even bury their dead, which would make it even harder for that to happen. So, you know, you just, you just don't know. Or how about the people out there who think they eat them? Yeah, that's true too. I, you, there's a lot of theories out there, um, of what, you know, could be the reason that we don't, we don't see them. Well, you know, I, again, my daughter, and I said this numerous times, married into two different uh, Indian tribes. One was the Muckleshoot and the other was Nisquai, uh tribe. And I got to know the medicine man on one and the medicine woman at the one. And, you know, I naturally half asked questions like about Bigfoot. Now, this was years ago. But, you know, they told me these stories about how the, the Bigfoot would raid the village and run off with their loved ones or babies, or they would be down. The, the women would be down doing the laundry down in the the Cricker River, and the Bigfoot would run in and, and snag their dinner, and yeah. then the the you know the warriors would go looking for the loved ones, and a lot of times they would only find parts of remains. So it, it, you know what they told me that these things were cannibal. Mm. Yeah, that's and that's. It's it's interesting too, um, if you can find some of the Native Americans uh, that are willing to share some of their history or lore, because they they really are kind of quiet about talking about their their history or their even their experiences with Bigfoot as well. 
Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I really, if you're out looking for one, the odds are really, you know, I don't think you're going to find one. Now, now James, I'm going to bring you on for a second. You had, when you were younger, right, and you used to party, you know, and go places and park and do things. Didn't you have a strange encounter? Maybe it was either a, a huge Am- Amish man or a Bigfoot. Uh, yes, very true. Matter of fact, it was uh, 1982, 40 years ago. Uh, it'd be 40 years, yeah, 40 years ago. Wow. Yeah, we used to go out, and you know, even back then there was there was dirt roads that are even paved now. But we would go out, you know, dumb 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds and drinking and take the back roads back in the big, Bigfoot country. You know, you wouldn't see no car. You'd just drink. So we pull over on the side of a mountain, you know, a dirt road, and there's no houses. nearest all Amish country out there. Nearest house, probably two miles, mile and a half. And it's see that kind of um, heat lightning, and, and it would light up the field like it was overlooking a, a cow field. And there was one tree in the field, which was probably a witch tree because it was probably a 300-year-old oak tree to boot. But anyway, when it was lighting up, we were taking um, a little break, so to speak. And, um, well, it lit it up. And and there was this, for lack of better words, eight-foot tall, three-and-a-half-foot wide, hairy, if not uh, a Bigfoot, uh, a naked Amishman in the middle of nowhere at 2 in the morning in a lightning storm. So, I mean, we we all seen it, got in the car, floored it, took off, and we never spoke the rest of the night, went straight home, and we haven't talked about that since. It was weird. Nobody ever mentioned it. It was like it was a, a, an illusion. It was very shocking. Well, Ooh, may, maybe he was a nudist and never knew what a razor was. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah, well, you shouldn't have been out there drinking. Something could have pulled you out of the car, and then I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Uh, you know, another thing, John, UFOs. What's your feeling about UFOs and ETs? Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I believe that UFOs are real, for sure, um, that there's something going on. And I really hope that we're close to disclosure where um, the government will finally come out and, and say that they know a lot more than what they're saying. Um, again, I've interviewed so many people that have seen UFOs, um, even family members that I've interviewed that have seen UFOs. And, um, that's one that I've always, you know, really loved as well as a kid. Um, I remember being really young and watching, um, Close Encounters was one of my, it's still one of my favorite movies, um, so yeah, I definitely think that there that there are UFOs out there, whether they're little green men or from another dimension or what it is, I I don't know or all of the above. Again, it's kind of like Bigfoot, where a lot of people have a lot of different theories, but you're just not quite sure. I do know that with um, so many people, credible people who have had encounters and talked about it, and the the belief that the government knows more than what they're saying. I know that it wasn't very long ago that the Canadian Minister of Defense came out and said, oh, yeah, the U.S. government knows about UFOs and has been working for that, with them for years. And But that's never put on our television uh, that the, the Canadian minister, minister of Defense said that. But he did. He said, oh, yeah, they know about them. They've been working with them for years. So, But, you know, it, it seems like our country... 
and uh, some other countries like the UK don't come out and talk much about it. But you got South like uh, Brazil, uh, Brazil and some Argentina, Paraguay, all this stuff there. You know, when they report or have reported UFOs, they tell the, the public, you know, and they share that information and they treat it like it's real. Yeah. They have for years. We don't. And that's the scary part. And, you know, we not just have credible people. We have pilots. We have Air Force pilots. We have Navy pilots. They mm-hmm. all have seen things that can't exist with our technology. And I don't think we have technology that far advanced to do what these things are doing. You know, this thing, even with the Nimitz, now they're saying, oh, you know what? That was now we think drones. Okay, well, how can a drone go that high a speed and, <laughs> no. and, and, and survive? We don't have anything, it, it, metal or plastics or polycarbonate it can handle that speeds. How mm-hmm. about the ones where they, the sailors say that they saw them go into the ocean and come out of the ocean? Yeah. It, yep. it, it does, you know, something is going on. Well, and I honestly, you know, I, I love listening to conspiracy theories as well i don't necessarily subscribe to all of them but i love listening to them but one that um really rings true to me is the fact that if the government came out and said that ufos were real and that they had that technology it's obviously being powered by um a high amount of energy which many people believe would be basically free energy um and would eliminate um, the need for oil like overnight. And the way that would crash the economy and ruin a lot of the, the oil companies, I think that's one that could be one of the biggest reasons why we're not getting disclosure is just because free energy would, would ruin so many very rich people overnight. But again, that's just a conspiracy theory. I just happen to subscribe to that theory. Well, I agree. Look at Tesla. You know, he wanted to give the world free electricity, free power. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden his funding was cut off from Westinghouse. Uh, This was that was it. And he was mocked and ridiculed. And he had to live with that to the day he died. And the the thing is, he was very far advanced. and And we know that free energy can happen and it will happen. But, you know, the big companies, power companies, uh, oil companies don't want that to happen. No, they don't. They um, the the amount of money that um, people in power would lose overnight because of that is just astronomical. And and I think even more than money is power the power they would lose would be, you know, astronomical as well. So I think that's what's probably keeping, unfortunately, keeping the lid on disclosure with UFOs at this point. Well, you know, isn't it kind of strange? Every time there's a war, there's more sightings of UFOs. We go back to World War II, the, you know, the pilots seeing these craft buzzing by before the Nazis had their jets, I mean, the stuff yeah. that we know that wasn't from Germany, uh, the, the Foo Fighters, okay, that you had that. And then in Korea, during the uh, Korean conflict, again, there was reported of UFOs in Vietnam. Everybody was talking about these objects. 
And, you know, then the Middle East with the wars we have, you know, if you talk to some of the veterans, they'll tell you they saw UFOs. Yeah. And now we're, look what's going on with the world right now. It's in chaos. We're close to maybe having a nuclear war one of these days. And now there's more reports of UFOs than ever. Right. Exactly. Yep. It's it's just kind of amazing. Um, I, and again, the, the government is being a little bit more open, at least the military and talking about things. So you you kind of hope that there's a crack in the in the door that might open someday. But it'll be interesting to see in the future what happens. I like to see something, you know, again, you know, doing this so long, I know a lot of people, a ufologist, and they kept, to, oh, you know, when Congress did this last thing, oh, they're going to be major disclosure, Gary, major. They're going to come out and say all this stuff, right? And I said, it's not going to happen. And I watched virtually all the, the tapes of the interviews and what was going on with Congress, right? Well, according to them, Roswell never happened. Never. Okay. They have never had any wreckage of a UFO ever, you know, and, and for everything that, you know, they were asked, oh, no, we have no proof. We've never recovered any crashed UFOs. And if you listen to it, it was nothing more than a whitewash again. Disclosure came out. Well, we have the TikTok where they admitted, yes, there's something out there. But they're not yeah. saying it's off-world. They're, they're implying the way they word it is on-world, not off-world. Yeah. Yep. It's 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 really kind of you know amazing that they can show the videos and everybody sees it and then and then still just kind of try and brush it underneath the the carpet. But um, yeah, it's yeah, hopefully you know within. Our lifetime, we'll see it. But I, I'm kind of skeptical, like you, of whether it will actually happen or not. So I hope I live long enough to see it. You know, like I always joke around, ETs don't worry about it. You know, they they're not going to hurt us. They only eat brains of politicians. <laughs> and you know, like the War of the Worlds, what happened with the ETs? They died from our a bacteria. You know, of our you know our our own world so right. in this case they only eat brains of politicians they will starve to death within 48 hours they're gone so there i don't know you know we need to get you on for part uh two you know that because we didn't even touch base of much of anything here tonight <laughs> yeah i'd love to come back whenever you want me to so well do you have a website or anything you want to share my friend i do yeah so my website is strangerbridgerland.com uh, you can get there and find out about all my books. I have five books out now, um, and a sixth book that's coming out in August. They're all true paranormal stories for everybody out there that loves to go camping. They're perfect for campfire stories and stuff to, to scare everybody at camp. Um, and, uh, I have a, a little, uh, podcast that my wife and I do stranger Bridgeland podcast. We do one a week and we pick a topic about the paranormal and, and do the history of it and talk about different stories about it, all different things about the paranormal. You can also find that on my website or just look up Stranger Bridgerland podcast. You can find us on there. And again, on Amazon, a Kindle, all of my books are on there and there's a few. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.